Hi fam, it's Dylan's mum, Deborah. This is Dylan Friend. He gives you a back rub and says, you know, you're going well, Brian. Oh, it's special. Get comfortable and uncomfortable. Just keep showing up and find a way. Cam was so nervous he couldn't swallow water. Handed him a sheet of paper with six names and said, Chief, we've got to cut these six blokes. Wow, shut up. I've just been barbed by a stingray, mate. I'm just yelling, why you saved my life, you saved my life, you saved my life. Thank you, thank you. I spent the last, I think it was a couple of weeks in jail. The deepest, darkest moments often bring about our biggest highs. Hey, Brad, how are you, man? Very good. Welcome to the show. It's very good to be here. Mate, thanks for coming down. Obviously, you've come down southwesterly from... Yeah, is that Pretty right? Pretty bang on there. Pretty bang on. geography's good. Yeah. yeah. So, good to, well, I've never been to Wollongong. Mate, it's beautiful. I would, I've heard good things. I guess, you know, you just mentioned it before. I guess you'd describe it almost like the Geelong of, you know, what Geelong is to Melbourne, Wollongong is to Sydney. I think, it, no offence to Geelong, but... From what I've seen and heard about Wollongong, I think it's a little bit maybe nicer in terms of just we'll like because you've got the be- it's probably better weather. That's yeah, we'll mainly just along with really good weather. It's beautiful. To be honest, it's for me, it's like the perfect mix of there's <clears> enough <throat> happening, yeah. but it's also like I can go down the beach, get a park, don't have to stress about traffic. Yeah. Like it's it's my kind of lifestyle. Now, really morbidly, I don't even know if it's worth talking about this, but I listened to this podcast um, that was actually about. Um, a really sad, like, cold case in Wollongong years and years ago. You're talking about the missing, fo- like, the missing person one? Yeah. Weirdly, this is weird. The Whale Beach, was it called? Is it Whale Beach? We're on a what's completely the- different wave. No, no, no. <laughs> no, no, no it's not the podcast. It's not what it's called, but what's the podcast called? Oh, sorry, what's um, the beach called in Wollongong? <laughs> so there's Wollongong Beach, there's South Beach, there's Port Kembla Beach, there's... Mate, we've got all the beaches. Okay. Sorry, continue with you going with it. So it was like a missing persons. The detective was Manny Karudas. Yes. Correct? Yes. And they were talking about uh, two girls that went missing yes. years ago. Yes. Weirdly, we listened to that yesterday because my missus' pa- uh, mum loves like true crime. cold cases and true yeah. crime. And, and we listened to that for something different, which I've never listened to that style of stuff before. And funnily enough, that detective used to work with my dad because my dad was a copper for years. And I was like, hold on, this guy's from Wollongong. And then all the dots started clicking. And crazy. Yeah, crazy. It's an interesting podcast. We'll get the name up of it, maybe put it in the show notes if yeah. you want to listen. But, but you're right, morbid choice of... <laughs> it is a really <laughs> weird choice of, um, of of topic, but I feel bad because whenever I meet people from Wollongong, I'm like, oh, I've listened to a podcast <laughs> about that. They're like, that's not something we're proud of, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> um, but those pods are really, really, um, not just the, the cold case ones, but I love like story type podcasts that yeah. like take you. It's almost like reading a book. Mate, I love a good story. Yeah. I reckon story is the way that we really connect and learn as human beings. Like for me personally, and we spoke about this a little bit off mic before, I don't typically learn from, like I can't sit and read a self-help book and go, they're the five tips that I need to take into my life. Mm. I like to listen to say like a Matthew McConaughey green lights, fit it all right, all right, all right. And I'm like, <laughs> what he said there about the way he'd done that in his life. I'm like, I'm taking that and I'm running with that. I yeah. learned through story. So for me, that's that's my favorite thing about podcasting, where you just get to hear about someone's life. You get to hear about what they're doing in this area, what they're doing in that area, how they're connecting with these people. And I'm like, oh, I like that. I'm going to play on that myself. Mate, that's so, like, you've absolutely nailed that there. That, that's exactly how I learned too. And I think um, we're speaking to Nathan Buckley about it like a, a week or so ago about just evolution of growing up and you know we, we put all, the, all these incredible fancy words these days about like our lives but at the end of the day it's just it's like growing up it's just like growing up 
each year you get older, you can never learn too much. You just got to have more conversations with people. And that's what, you know, being a podcaster yourself and mm. we're so lucky to do is, is just talk to people, have conversations, put the phone down for an hour and a half and just look someone in the eye and have a chat and you never know where it takes you. I'd almost seriously say to anyone, even if you don't want to get into podcasting, it's the best thing to do to just like actually just learn and switch off and have a conversation. Because when do you... If you're not doing this or radio or whatever, when do you actually just have a chat with someone for an hour mm. without your phone? I was saying this to my missus recently, right? The the idea of a podcast, it becomes a podcast because you put a mic in front of us and a camera and all of a sudden we've got this setup that makes it almost so respected that the phone gets put on airplane yeah. mode, put away. Like right now, if I got a phone call and I picked it up, you'd be like, what, what the fuck is going <laughs> on, right? Like proper disrespect, right? So- but when you're at a coffee with a mate, like if your ma calls, you take the phone call. And it's like, yeah, it's your mum. Of course you answer. You mm. always answer your mum. Mum, I love you. But when you're at coffee with a mate, you just tend to still get distracted by things. There's something really beautiful about a podcast that feels like something that we're missing in society. Mm. And I say to people all the time, if you want a, a ticket, like a free ticket to talk to anyone about anything, start a podcast. Yeah, Best I thing know. I ever did. Yeah. It's funny, isn't it? Yeah. Because I love the memes though about like guys starting podcasts. Yeah. It's like, what do you do when you have no idea with your life? It's like, start a podcast. Start a podcast. Yeah. I, I reckon I still get tagged in there. Oh, mate, me too. <laughs> every day, every day. Um, how are you, my friend? It's an honor to get you on the show, have a chat, your story, life, everything else in between. You're down in mm. Melbourne at the moment, as I said, up um, across from the gong. Um, for people who haven't heard you before and who you are, give us a bit of a rundown of, of what you are. Um, you're human, <laughs> firstly, <laughs> of who you are, sorry. <laughs> we'll say a human being yeah. who loves a story, loves storytelling. I, I'd consider myself a storyteller. It's what I've always loved to do for the longest time. Um, I guess a big part of the reason why I find myself on a lot of pods and now speaking on stage is because of my cystic fibrosis. So I was diagnosed with CF, we call it, um, at three weeks of age, and CF is is and has been for a long time a really tough condition for a lot of people to live with, but I'm here thriving. Um, it's a genetic illness that I'm going to go so deep with these answers, by the way. No, like, no, I, no, I, I love I, to spin a yarn. I don't like the shallow end. Yeah. Well, I'm just like straight, no touching the ground. Believe me, I'm doing a backflip and bombing into I'm the deep end. So doing a dive head first. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> putting Swan concrete dive into on the my deep fucking end. feet. Just... Swan dive into the deep yeah. end. Yeah. <laughs> um, so CF, I'll explain it because it is complex and not a lot of people know about it. So yep. it's it's a genetic illness that is essentially a defective gene that's supposed to transport salt and water to the cells of your body. That's as complex as I'll get here. Essentially, that salt and water allows mucus to move thinly and freely throughout the body. And where you don't have that gene working effectively aka someone with CF, you tend to get mucus that's thicker and stickier that builds up, sits on organs and impairs them and scars them. So, you know, we think of mucus and we think the lungs, the respiratory system, right? And I know you and I have got little husky George Clooney voices on mm. today because we've both been a little bit crook and, you know, you might feel a buildup of mucus, but mucus moves throughout the whole body. So through all of your organs. So for someone with CF, there's a few different genetic mutations, which essentially are a few different severities of the disease. I've got the most severe one, and um, it's also the most common one. But there's a few extra things that have come with mine. So I've got um, what they call CF lung disease, but also an insufficient pancreas. So I take digestive enzymes every time I eat any food, so I can't eat without tablets. So I take about 30 to 50 tablets a day. 
Um, also liver disease from the age of nine. So, you know, at nine years old, diagnosed with what most people would be diagnosed with after like 30 years of hard alcoholism. And then also like sort of bigger spleen and some issues with my esophageal varices. But it all sounds really, it's definitely not a sob story, right? So it all sounds really severe and extreme and it is for a lot of people, but I found a way to, to stay really healthy, to be really positive about it. And mate, I wouldn't change it because it's given me a story to tell and it's given me a real purpose in life and it's led me to doing all of this stuff and I truly believe that it's made me the person I am. So that's who I am in a nutshell. I'm 27, um, pretty easygoing cat who loves a bit of podcast and loves a coffee, loves a run. And I'm, I'm a pretty normal rooster to be honest. Well, that's unbelievable. Um, yeah, like I already am so excited to just jump in today and have a chat to you about not just this Likewise. but everything because, yeah, like you – I feel like already just knowing you for like three minutes. I just love you already. Right, likewise. Mate, are we, likewise. We're bonding. Um, you're also <laughs> really good friends with Brett Canellan, another po- uh, podcast guest that we had on a few weeks ago. Because you guys have just connected up um, and do some speaking together as well. Yeah, so Brett, oh, come on my pod. I was saying to Darcy before, I reckon it would have been maybe 2021, like early. Yeah. It's pretty early stages, maybe a year into the pod that he come on and it was actually just a, a friend of mine locally who was from Kyama as well who said, oh, you got to have this guy on, Brett Canellan. And as soon as I heard his story, I was like, I'm, I've definitely got to get this guy on. It's incredible. And it actually shocked me that, you know, I guess these days social media is the currency, right? And um, just another area of my life that I'm pretty broke, if I'm being honest. But <laughs> I, I went on his social and I'm like, how is this guy not like have millions of followers? Because his story is incredible. His attitude's insane. You know, I love that Denzel Washington quote, like, you've got to have an attitude of gratitude towards everything in life. And you could see he had it for the most severe of circumstances. Mm. And I, I got him in. I loved chatting to him. I loved his story. And we just got on really well. Um, and from <clears throat> there, just being sort of close to each other in terms of proximity, like 30 minutes from each other where we live, we sort of just would bounce conversation here and there. And, you know, he had, he's like, oh, I just went on this podcast this week. And I've recommended you, um, you know. And there we are. Here we are. And, but that's happened for the last couple of years. I go on a pod and I'm like, you've got to get Brett Cannell on. Yeah. And vice versa. And sort of he, probably a year before I did, ventured into the keynote speaking world and started doing really well and um, passed me on a few contacts and those contacts signed me and now I'm in that world. And so we just love the art of storytelling, what it can do and that message of, it's not what you're challenged by, but how you respond to it. Mm. And we're challenged by completely different things. Like I haven't gone toe-to-toe with, you know, the beast of the ocean and, you know, he hasn't gone toe-to-toe with CF. So we have very different stories and challenges. But that message of just control what you can control is the thing that we've really bonded on. So I love getting up on stage and, and sharing with Bretto. Um, I'd like to say he'd say the same about me. And, and I love being able to bounce off each other and, it's like anything you do, Dill. I can imagine that when you stepped into podcasting, you seek out people that you can learn from in the space. Yeah. Um, and I think we're very fortunate that we've created a friendship that's built on just authentic, genuine connection, but we're also in very similar spaces and that makes it a bond that gives you a level of support in anything you do. So he's a great man. I've got so much time for him. What about um, together, You what you were saying before, which is super interesting that with one of the... Can we talk about the keynote that you do together or you don't want we- to... You can't, maybe we don't we, because just... Yeah, maybe not because it gives it away. But it gives it's, it away, yeah. We do a very... If anyone's interested in booking us, this is my pitch Please do. Um, yeah. to, to the people who are listening. If anyone's interested in booking us as a duo, 
there's a very cheeky little spin on things that makes it quite exciting to come and view it. It's, it's yes. quite theatrical. It we'll is say. theatrical. I was uh, captivated by it, hence <laughs> wanting to talk about it, but I can completely understand. Make sure you get in touch. Where do people get in touch with you guys, um, by the way? Just social media? Mate, like we've, we've got a few. Like He's signed exclusively by Saxton's um, nice. in the keynote world. I'm signed by Saxton and a few others. Um, I guess just social is probably the best way. Like yeah. Search Bradley Driver, hardest last name on the planet. But if you search me, you'll find my big mug there and you can um, you can connect with me there and you know, always put you off in contact with the right people to get us booked. What's your your, your attitude's incredible um, with you know facing something that's really challenging. Let's be completely honest. Like that, it can't mm. be diff- it can't be easy taking thirty tablets a day and having to deal with certain situations that you've been faced. But your mi- your mindset, your attitude towards it is absolutely astounding. Has it always been that way? Yeah, mate. So I say that the greatest gift I got in life was I was born into the most incredible family. So I, I shout them out every time I come yeah. on stage, every time I come on a podcast. My two incredible parents, Darren and Diane Driver, are just the most amazing people. They're angels on earth. So they were as prepared as you could be to have a kid. And as you'd know, you've just gone through the process of yeah. bringing your first child into the world. Congratulations, Thank by you, the way. Man. And as any parent is, super excited, has a plan on how they're going to bring their first child into the world. And it's like, this is what we're going to do. We're going to give them so much love and care and time and affection. And we're going to bring them into a world where we can look after them and encourage them to do what they love, to have opportunities. And my parents were like that. They planned when they were going to conceive. They brought me into the world on the 12th of April, 1996. And as the legendary Mike Tyson says, everyone has a plan until you get punched in the face. Yeah. And they got the ultimate uppercut three weeks after my birth where just the routine Guthrie's test picked up cystic fibrosis, which is one of the things it tests for. At the time, they had no idea what CF was. There was a distant relative that had CF who um, was quite unwell, you know, almost chair bound and, and really unwell with their health. So their first, I guess their first impression of the condition wasn't positive, but they started to educate up to learn, to understand what CF truly meant. Um, and as I sort of educated up on early in the pod, it looked like a really sad story. So they went to their first ever CF specialist appointment and he sat down across the table like we are today, looked him dead in the eye and said, your son would be better off with a terminal illness that would kill him or he'd get over because this will ruin his life. And they sat there hearing those words, as I'm sure you can imagine as a new parent, Mm. absolutely heartbroken. But what they did next has defined the rest of my life. It's the greatest lesson I could have ever learned. They stood up, looked him in the eye and said, you'll never see us or our son again. That's not the attitude we're going to have. And so they taught me this incredible lesson. It's still the greatest lesson I've learned to this day, that what you believe is what you become. And so before I even knew it, like I was a couple of months old at the time, before I even knew it, they said, you're destined to do great things. This will not limit or define you. CF will be just a word, a whisper that you hear in the wind and you're going to live an incredible life. And so my childhood was that. It was positivity. It was CF becoming a badge of honor because it was supposed to stop me from doing all these things. Mm. Like I was never supposed to grow properly, put on weight, be able to athletically perform, but I was doing all those things. So, you know, I come up through my early years and especially my sister, I've got a younger sister, Shania, we call her Sissy. Sissy was like the greatest builder of self-esteem for me because you know, most kids would go to school and it was a consistent story in the CF world that kids would enter school and all of a sudden they're not in the comfort of their home anymore. So their CF is exposed. So when they're the only person taking 30 to 50 tablets a day, 
And all the other kids are like, why are you taking tablets? Why are you coughing? Why is this different to what it is for us? They start to get ashamed of their CF. They start not taking their tablets. They get sicker. Yeah. But, mate, I'd sit up at the brekkie table in the morning with my little sister and she would cry because she couldn't take tablets like her older brother who she looked up to. So she had to have strawberry and um, orange vitamins to chew on every morning so she could be like me. So when I entered the world and I was my own little man at five or six and I was different, I was different because that's me and that's what I'm proud of. And my sister wants to be like me. So why would I question it? And so I had the greatest gift that I was born into this incredible family who instilled me with this confidence and belief that you are who you are. And without telling me this, I've got the power of hindsight to look back at it now and understand the message that you can't control what you're challenged by, but you can control how you respond to it. And so I responded positively. And really for the first 18 years of my life deal, like I said, there was liver disease diagnosis, diabetes diagnosis, all these things that were added to my medical certificate and records, but it didn't stop me. So why would I be phased? It was really only 18 that I started to face my first challenges. And that's where, for me, it become a really, um, I guess, a really conscious effort in the fight against CF. It wasn't so unconscious and so, I wouldn't say effortless, but it felt effortless for a long time. At 18, things changed. What happened at 18? You know, I think a bit of complacency. Yeah. Um, you know, complacency is a funny thing. It's a, it's a strange age, isn't it, 18? That's like when you can start to worry about other things. and For pe- sure. Yeah. You know what it was, though, Dill? It's... It's like anything, right? So I was a sprinter growing up, 120 yeah. meter sprinter. This is a podcast, but and it will be a podcast. You're an extremely fit young man. Like you look good. Yeah. You've got some nice shoulders on you. Yeah. Like they're not bigger Keep than mine at the Keep moment. Yeah, you, you're very chiseled. You're very yeah. chiseled. I appreciate some beautiful it. tattoos. Like, I appreciate it. Yeah, very handsome young man. Um, mate, it's just, it's all genetics. I've yeah. got a, an old man who's 57 and looks far better than I really? do. Really? Yeah, yeah he's fit, dads. Mate, he's like Schwarzenegger reincarnated really? into an Aussie, just cracking good looking rooster. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, but at 18, I probably had become a little bit complacent. Like I had liver disease, so I knew I'd never drink alcohol. Yep. I had no interest in recreational drugs because I took 50 tablets a day to stay well. Yep. So I, I was never going to do anything to purposefully compromise my health. But at 18, I'd been so well. You know, I use the analogy that, you know, I was a sprinter my whole childhood. When you're out and far ahead in a 100-meter sprint, you start looking around and like cheering to the crowd, hands are up, you go Usain Bolt, right? Yeah. Like you start to celebrate before the finish line. I was so far from being in a place where I could be complacent because you never can with this disease. But I started to like take my CF care a little less, like I was stopping doing the things that were keeping me really topped up, you know, the daily nebulizers and getting a little bit lazy with it. And so I was booked to go in for a routine surgery. So the sort of base of the esophagus, you've got these things called esophageal varices. And because I've got so much pressure in my liver and my spleen, they're enlarged and they're quite scarred. A lot of the blood that's meant to pass through them doesn't. And so it takes these alternate routes and goes and fills up in these varices around the esophagus. And the danger is because that's a high exposure zone for food that comes down. Let's say one of those gets a little too juicy, mm-hmm. you know, half chewed Dorito goes down and slices <laughs> yeah. that, which sounds so <laughs> comical, but it can happen, right? Yeah, yeah. and bleeds internally. And so you're like, now you're fighting for your life and you've got a couple of minutes until Fire. you're dead. So at 16, they told me that they had a a very good reason to believe this would be happening in my esophagus because of my liver and my spleen. And so they went down for the first time at 16, done a routine procedure, which is so cool. They go down with a little vacuum. 
they like suck the vein into a vacuum and it pops up like a little balloon and they put an elastic band around it which constricts the blood flow. It dies and falls off like two days later. Incredible, right? So they started to do this to um, reduce the risk of me ever having one of those bursts internally. And so at 18, it was probably the third time I was ready to have this done and I was booked for this procedure. But the week sort of leading up, I got pretty crook, like fevers for the first couple of days, extreme hot, extreme cold. And then, excuse me, then it was probably like two days out, I started really coughing. And you know, I was driving up with my mum, my dad for the surgery that day. And mate, they're, they're, they've been divorced since I was 11, but great mates still, like best humans. And they would come with like to every doctor's appointment with me really until like the last two years like I'm such a little baby right <laughs> and they're driving me up and I start coughing like really badly and consistently and I'm like I'm not well and I get up there and the nurse who does like the pre-surgery check is like mate your blood pressure is like 180 over 100 and your temperature's through the roof mate it could be deadly to operate on someone in that state we don't know what's going on in your body there's no way in the world that you're going into a theatre today you need to be in hospital but as any busy city knows, like it was Sydney, it was RPA hospital. There's no such thing as a spare bed. You know, they've almost got to kick someone out of hospital to get someone in. And so they said, go home, we'll call you when there's a spare bed. Jesus. And so I went home, was really sick the next day, just coughing on the lounge. And I had this particularly sharp cough. And as soon as I coughed, it was so sharp, I could taste something come up. And you know that taste when you bite the side of your mouth or you bite your lip or your tongue and you can taste blood mm. into your mouth? I could taste that, but a high volume of it. And the first thing that goes through your mind when you cough up blood is I've been told stories that if this ever happens, it's a matter of how quickly I get to the hospital, if I survive or not. So I run to the laundry and I start coughing up fresh blood into the sink and it's staining the sink. And as every little blood stains the sink and every cough continues to come up with more blood, just fear and anxiety washes over your body because you've only been told bad case scenarios like there's no such thing as a good story about coughing up blood and so I yell out to my dad at the top of my lungs he races into the laundry sees me coughing up blood and within a minute we're in the car and speeding towards Wollongong emergency about 10 minutes away from home Mm. I'm sitting in the car with like an empty ice cream container in case I start vomiting this up and I'm looking at my old man in the car and I'm thinking fuck is dad gonna watch me die in the car like is he gonna have the grief of I didn't get him there quick enough. Could I have done more? Is he going to have to carry me over his shoulder into the operating room and hope to God someone else is skilled enough to save my life? And then it hit me that my mum and my sister aren't in the car. Like they're two people I adore. What if I never see them again? So luckily they worked at the same place at the time. I got my phone out and I called and my sister answered. She was on reception. And I said, sis, I don't know what's happening, but I'm coughing up blood. Can you or mum meet us at emergency ASAP? I love you so much. Like it's the hardest call you'll ever make in your life. And I remember just sitting in the car and there was almost like, Brett spoke about it in his episode, mm-hmm. like that flight, fight or freeze. That freeze where you sit there and you're like, I'm completely out of control right now. It's how quick we get there. It's what my body decides to do. It's what maybe a doctor has a skill set to do when we get there. And as we're in that car, time freezes and I think, man, I'm 18 I'm 18, there's so much life that I've got to live yet. And I haven't even scraped the surface. I don't know what I want to do with my life. You know, I've got some passions, but I haven't figured it out yet. You know, I don't have a partner. I haven't found someone I loved. I haven't had a family. You know, I haven't grown up. I'm not a man yet. I'm only entering the world. 
And I thought, man, I don't want to go. This is too early. And I was so lucky that maybe my thoughts were a little extreme because things calmed down, my body stabilized. I got there and it was revealed that I wasn't bleeding from an esophageal varicity, but rather from my lungs. And as I went in, I ended up being diagnosed with really bad case of pneumonia, spent three or four weeks in hospital, lost about nine kilos, had the best set of washboard abs when I left, like just chipped away that baby fat. <laughs> and um, and I learned a rule lesson that, you know, that's this Confucius quote that I love, that every man lives two lives. The second begins when he realizes he has just one. And mate, I fucking realized at 18, I was like, I've got this CF thing. This is not just two words on my medical records. This is something I now live with every day. And it's something I have to be very conscious about the way that I operate in the world with. And so for me, ultimate wake up call at 18, like nine years ago, essentially around this time, nine years ago, that I learned that lesson and made it change the way that I live my life. And like any, like anyone, you can learn a lesson. And we spoke about it off camera mm. before. You can learn a lesson and it sinks in for a minute, but how long does it stay around for? Because 100%. you get complacent again. And so... You know, over the course of the next couple of years, I, I had a lot of challenges where I would get healthy again and then let it slip and, you know, end up back in hospital or a new lung infection. And and ultimately the straw that broke the camel's back was, was probably two more straws that broke the camel's back, really. Um, and I know I'm rambling here, but I guess it's giving you a bit of context. Please keep going. Um, at, at 23, I'd been working in real estate for a couple of years. I'd moved to Melbourne, moved back home, um, had my, my main focus in life at this point was if I make a lot of money, I'll solve all of my problems. I'll be able to buy a nice car, nice house, nice suits, nice haircuts. I'll look slick and it'll solve all of the challenges and troubles of life. And anyone who's got money will tell you that um, a poor man wants everything. A rich man wants one thing who's sick and that's his health. And and so I realized that money wasn't going to solve my problems for me. And I was called by my doctor to say, mate, you've got a really serious lung infection that we've picked up in your recent trip to the hospital. This lung infection is called Burkholderia capacia, um, which is basically a fancy way of saying you're fucked if you don't get it sorted quickly. Mm. And Burkholderia capacia is, it's an infection that can completely, well, it can kill people if strong, like if heavy enough, the growth of the infection in your lungs is heavy enough, it can be fatal. Um, or in some best case scenarios, it permanently damages the cells in the lungs that would allow new lungs to bind to the body. So I'd never planned on a transplant because I was always really positive, right? It's like, I won't need a transplant. I'll survive and thrive with my lungs. But when a doctor tells you that, hey, if you ever need a transplant, the thing that could buy you an extra 20, 30, 40 years with your family, you may not be able to because of this infection in your lungs right now. It's like, imagine, I always say it's like you're sitting on the edge of the plane you're about to skydive, instructor goes, three, two. And just as you're about to fall out of the plane, he takes the shoot off your back and you're like, fucking hold up a minute. Mm -hmm. Where's my safety net? And like, that's what it felt like. I was like, I didn't plan for this, but I want that safety net. And so I was put in a hospital, spend two weeks and they're like, we're going to aggressively fight this infection. We're going to do everything we can. We're going to throw every drug at you. We're going to keep the drugs running 24-7 to try and get rid of this before it sets its foundations in your lungs. And so it was the first day that I was in hospital. Mum and dad had come up with me to set me up and um, I had a private room, a private room in the public hospital because the risk of getting another infection when you're sick is really high. 
But as I was walking out with mum to grab a cup of tea, it was like sort of mid-morning time, we're going to walk down to the kitchen, she bumps into an older fella in the hallway. And my mum is like, my mum could sell ice to Eskimo. She's a great salesperson and she sells cars locally and um, not the typical car salesperson, you know, just a great human. That's why she does so well. And she bumps into this old fella who she sold a car to. His name's Ernie. And so she introduces me and Ernie and I start chatting and I notice that Ernie's staying in the room next to mine. And as I look into the room, I can see through the door and there's three other older gentlemen in there and they're all really sick. Like the energy of the room, the vibes, as you'd say, down here. Quite low. And I looked at Ernie as he said he had cancer and I thought, oh, this guy needs a mate. So I said, Ernie, if you ever feel like you need to get out of your room, mate, come knock on my door and we can have a yarn. And, you know, if you can't tell, I love a yarn. So that afternoon at two o'clock, actually, in fact, every afternoon at two o'clock, the tea and biscuit cart comes around in hospital. And as it comes around, they knock on my door. I get my fair share of bickies, nice cup of tea, goes to Annie's room. And within a minute, knock on the door. He's standing there with his tea and his bickies. And I go, come on in, mate. He takes a seat. I'm lying up in my bed. He's on the big seat there. And... We start yarning. Very interesting man, right? He was in his mid-60s. He worked his whole life as a maximum security prison guard. Wow. Was responsible for making sure guys like Ivan Malat stayed behind bars. So he had some stories to tell. But once we got past those like surface level stories, started to learn that Ernie didn't just have cancer. He had terminal cancer. You know, he had been unfortunately diagnosed with cancer after a surgery where they'd injected some dye into his body had gone really wrong. And I think it had actually poisoned his body in some way and, and cancer had grown. Ernie had um, three ex-wives who we were still incredible friends with all of them um, somehow. He had children, grandchildren. And over the course of the next two weeks, Ernie knocked on my door every afternoon and we had a chat for about an hour, two hours. And at the end of my stay, I remember sitting in bed looking at Ernie who was likely not going to make it out of that hospital mm. as I was packing my bags to leave and I thought... I'm 23, and this man who's dying, who's facing imminent mortality, has just told me that the most precious things in his life are the people he loves, the memory he makes with those people, and just those moments that he'll never get back. He's not once spoken about the car he drove, the house he lived in, how much money he had, the brand of clothing that he wore. I'm 23, and I've put so much of my focus and energy into making money, it will never solve the problem of life. It helps, don't get me wrong. We all need a bit of money to pay the bills and to, you know, have a note magic when you're out in Melbourne and, you know, get a croissant from Loon, all those things. You need money, right? But it shouldn't be your primary focus in life. And at that point it was. Yeah. And so as I left hospital, Ernie had given me this incredible gift. And I remember standing at his funeral probably two or three months later and thinking that every day is a gift. Tomorrow is an absolute privilege. And if you have that attitude of gratitude and the appreciation for the fact that you have air in your lungs and a heartbeat today, you have more than most will have at some point. And so for me, just meeting Ernie was this ultimate, like it was like a flick of a switch, you know, and I was like, something needs to change in my life. So over the course of the next couple of months, I found myself at a real place of like, I guess I was at a real low mentally because I knew something needed to change, but I didn't know how, you know, I was like, fuck, I don't, I'm coming to this job. And there is such a focus on money for me right now. I don't even know what I love. I'm not healthy anymore. You know, I've got no passions in life. I just go to work. I go to work for the sake of going to work to make money. And so I ultimately made the decision to step right out of it, to quit my job. 
and you know, no game plan. I just started a podcast. I was four weeks into it. And I thought, I'm just going to give this... That's alarm bells, isn't it, as well? Massive when, when, when I started the podcast, I think that's when people worry about people the most. But it's a, it's a, it's a good time of growth. It can be post-traumatic uh, stress or post-traumatic you know, success yeah. in a way. Well, the thing is, the major alarm bell was not even that. It's the fact that I just bought a fucking house. Oh, wow. It's not a mortgage. Yeah, okay. It's like, what a dickhead, right? So like, no game plan. Bought a house, quit your job, yeah, started start a podcast. podcast. And over the next couple of months, you know, COVID happened. Yeah. And I thought, well, maybe I've stepped out of this at the right time. Real estate agents made more money in COVID than they ever made, right? <laughs> so, like, there was a missed opportunity there to set myself up and and slowly create that plan. But I think when you're at such a – when you're such a low mentally, sometimes, you know, when you're at rock bottom, the only way is to completely cut something out of your life sure. and, and move in a new direction. So, I've done that. Uh, sorry, just to – I think it's a really good point. I love to – just delve into yeah. this quickly is when you did that, were you still in Melbourne or were you back in Wollongong? I was back in the Gong. Okay. So I was in <clears> Melbourne <throat> 2018, but you know, I don't, I don't, have you ever moved away from family, friends before? I have, yeah. Um, when I went to live in Sydney. Okay. Yeah. So we've done the opposite, right? Yes. We've done the other switcheroo. You realize that like, I'm a real social cat. Yeah. Like I love my people, love my family, love my mates, like my routine and consistency. You know, Nathan Buckley spoke about it in the last pod. Mm. Loves his routine. I thrive off routine. It's a quote that I love from James Clear. I haven't read the book, but I've heard some good quotes about it, Atomic Habits, where he says, we rarely rise to the level of our goals, but rather fall to the level of our systems. Mm. I like good quality systems. That's how I thrive. So when I was in Melbourne, I moved down by myself. I worked seven days a week, 12 hours most days. I had no friends. I had no routine of health. Like I didn't go to the gym. I boxed maybe once a week, went for a half-ass, you know, 2K walk, yep. didn't do anything for my health, didn't have support systems, didn't, didn't have health, healthy coping mechanisms. So for me, I struggled. Yep. And it was like I had to come back to my environment after like nine, nine months or so and build that again. Like how did you find that? Well, this is I, I really appreciate you saying that. So for me, it was almost the opposite because I had too much distractions in mm. ho- at home. So I'm someone who like I – and this is jumping around a little bit, but like I, if I need to do some work, I need to come into the studio to do it. Like I'm a real, I've got to go somewhere to do it. Yeah. So for me to get my life like together, I only had to move away from Melbourne and just be by myself for two years. And I wasn't by myself. I was with my missus and friends and stuff mm. like that, but it, it really helped me simplify things. So I think it's actually okay. a really cool message to both people is there's different ways to mm. do it. Some people need structure and need the support. I needed to get yeah. out. So it probably depends where it was, but I think- the really important part that I want to chat to you about with that is when you, because there's this whole thing around, and I don't know if it annoys you when people say it, because I've been there too, is like, you know, I got sacked from my job, had to go start a new career that I wanted to be passionate about. Mm. And it sounds like you're going on the same trajectory at the moment at the story you're at. And people say, oh, you quit your job. It's like, it's not that fucking hard for everyone. Like you said, you've got bills to pay with your mortgage. You've got all these bits and pieces. I'm interested, what did you do at that time to make that actually possible? So I'm I'm gonna be the lesson of what not to do for okay, the people good. at home. Good. Um, so I left my <clears> job <throat> and was like, I'm I'm the most. I do not struggle with self belief, deal. I I don't I don't, yeah I didn't think you did right, which is fucking unbelievable. I love <laughs> right, it. I did not struggle with self belief. So in my head, I we you actually spoke about this recently. Did, yeah. I've, I've 
I guess I fit into that dreamer archetype, yeah. right? Like I'm a bit of a dreamer. And so I always think about the positives, not the negatives or the or the things that maybe I should plan for. Like it's all plan A, no plan B. Yeah. So when I left, I'm like, within a year, I've got the biggest podcast in Australia. I'm going toe-to-toe with Rogan for the top spot on the charts. <laughs> yeah. And it's all sweet. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like it's so funny saying it now because three and a half years in, I'm so far from it, right? Like no, it, I'm, I'm miles below it. It's there, it's coming. But the funny thing is, so I got to a year and I was like, ooh, this is tough. I've got no money. I've got fuck all happening. There's nothing that looks like I, I had a little bit of ad money coming from the pot at that yep. point, but it was it was all ads for like at the start at the top of the show. I'd be like, G'day guys. And um, so if you need to buy a house, you go see so-and-so, the mortgage broker. And I'm like, <laughs> it's the middle of COVID. Yeah, the average fine, listener's yeah. mid-20s going, I could not give a fuck about yeah. my house right now. So I was like, I need to ditch these ads because it will piss the audience off mm. before I, I gain their respect and earn their trust. And so I had no money coming in. And at a year, I was so broke. Like I, I remember at one point having negative $37 in my account wow. um, after like I'd gone to buy a coffee thinking that my loan payments were going to be on hold for a week and they'd come out and I was like, shit. So I sold my house or I sold my apartment. And I was just really fortunate deal that like the market in that COVID time had gone really well. Oh, so I got back a good little bit of kitty. Yep. But then same thing, it, it almost bred complacency because I was like- I'm okay now. I'm, okay I'm sweet again. now. Like put the feet up. How hard is the battle of complacency, man? It's massive. It's massive. And it's why, I t- like, it's why you know, that idea of having systems is so important. Yes. And I don't think you can ever- I, I hear Rogan talk about it. That you know, even as a guy who's just done a $100 million deal on his podcast and has all these other streams of revenue, there's areas of his life in which he still willingly chooses to suffer because you have to have a level have of to. hardship to remind you- that you can't get too comfortable. And so I'm back at a point now where, you know, two years, yeah, about a year and a half, two years after selling my place, mate, it's been fucking tight. Mm. And like, there's had to be some really smart decisions and I've had to look at some options to like get some work back in and, and go, if you really love this, you'll find a way to make it work. But it is so easy to fall back into that spot of, oh, it's all going to work out. And I think that you should be incredibly optimistic. And I think that you should shoot for the stars and hope to land somewhere around the moon, right? But you can go, I'm going to do that. But if you don't have a fucking rocket ship, you're kidding yourself. Mm. So for me, it's it's been about somewhat dialing back the dreamer and bringing up the realist a little bit. Never lose the dream though. That's, that's the thing. See, I think we're quite similar in a way that I'm definitely a dreamer as well. But yeah. also... I'm very anxious person, so I've always got plan B, C, D, E, okay. G. So I could probably learn a thing or two like from I, you. Like I have plans for plans. Like if things don't yeah. go here, like we're pivoting here, we're pivoting there, and that's why I think one big message that I it's really cool with this chat today. As I said, this discussion, like in that sort of area, I, I don't want to lose where we are, but I want to go back to that yeah. part about the when we quit uh, jobs or moving around, yeah. and I got you know sacked, but. As a part of that, I put so many things in place because mm. I knew what I wanted to do. So, like, yeah. for example, I, like, printed off my bank statements for, like, the last six months. I cancelled every single subscription that, like, I had in my bank. I was like, I don't want to be paying for anything that I don't have to be right yeah. now. I had, like, um, my car had actually just been ridden off um, for hail damage. Oh, so, I'd... You know, the universe aligns. I got paid like a bit of money for hail damage yeah. in my car. So I didn't have a car loan anymore. Um, was using my missus. We moved back 
um, to Melbourne. I was living in Sydney at the time, moved back in with Jaza's parents. And like this is, you know, it's hard when you get a bit of a hit on the ego. You feel like you're going well in the world and you have to go 10 For steps sure. back. For sure. Um, this is just after leaving the AFL, moved back to Melbourne, back in with Justice's parents, didn't have to pay rent mm. to, to go there. So I think for me, it was like diminishing as many things that were going to inhabit me from going for my goals because like you said, all young people and I don't want to d- dismiss money because I know that's really important to a lot of people. But um, for me... It was a very similar trajectory of going, well, I can go back to Melbourne and get a job that I might earn me a lot of money, but will it give me purpose? No, it's not. And I knew that because I'd seen so many people, had so many discussions with ex-players that had done that Mm. before me. Whereas I went back and said, I'm going to cut down all of this thing so that money doesn't have to be an issue. All I have to make is for food and to live. Yeah. And I have to make an extra couple hundred bucks to keep my house. Mm. The rest of it, I'm just going to go work like part-time for a radio station and do something that I want to do. So I just thought, it's a, I love when there's a... And that's not possible for everyone, right? Like people have families, kids, sure. all those bits and pieces. But just on it, like I've had a lot of people that I've had coffee with um, outside of it. I don't think I've ever spoken about it publicly on a podcast is I just worked out what I needed mm. to make for that year and then worked out what job I could get that would get me there. And yeah. then the rest I didn't worry about. I was like, I don't care. As long as I can do what I want to do and not lose anything, yeah. you got to go head first. Can I ask you, this is going to go off in another yeah. direction too because we Anywhere. like to do that, right? I just went off there because I've had so many people ask me about that and I love your way of doing it, but I think yeah. there's a risk. There's a, sure. there's a bit of risk management that you can also take in that place. Mate, I wish I was having this discussion <clears throat> yeah. here months and months ago because the funny thing is, before I dive into my next segue that I really want to ask yeah. you about, I think the ego for me has struggled with the idea of because I'm such a dreamer believer, I don't, for me, it's like zero to 100. Yep. I want to go from the guy who's never recorded a podcast before to Rogan mm. or to, you know, Hugh Van Cullenberg, The Imperfects, or to Dylan Friends. Like I, I was looking, because, mate, I was listening to your pod as I was starting mine. I appreciate it. So that. I'm like, oh, that's where I want to be. Yeah. Right. So for me, I've, I find it hard sometimes to remind myself that. I mean, the stepping stones. There is stepping stones, but this is, the, the, again, like one thing that always annoys me, people will be like, be patient. <laughs> Never be patient. You gotta, always you gotta be in a rush, but know that things take time. So it's like you can be in a rush and also be patient at the same time, but you still fucking want it. It's like I still want to be, you know, whoever that person is, but understand that you're going to have to have some kicks to the mm. ego before that. Like I said, when I went and worked out – um, like, can you imagine this? Like, I, I feel bad saying it because I don't want it to sound like I was arrogant, but I probably was at this time. I was 27. I just finished playing AFL, went back, was living with my to-be wife's um, family in a, their pool house at the back of yeah. their house, like run-down little pool house, catching the train into work, $27 an hour. I was a 27-year-old leaving AFL, mm. and on my first day, um, they asked me to go and get them lunch. And I was like, "Who the fuck do you think you are?" Like, I'm, yeah. I'm this guy. Oh, but then I realized, the for months. I realized I'm fucking nobody, man. Like, yeah. who gives a shit who you are? Like, you, you just got to do it. You 100%. just got to do what you got to do. Like, get it done. And I've still found to this day the best thing that always happens is when your ego gets a bit of a hit. But that doesn't mean you can't have one. For sure, always have an ego. Ego for is sure. ego is so important. Ego is, it's massive because it gets you to where you want to be. Mm. Like. Chris Judd, I use this example so much. I know you don't follow footy, but no, he's one of our, you know, I, he's our uh, 
Billy Slater, I suppose, okay. of, of, I like um, of AFL. And well played. Thank you. Well played. He then. talks a lot about um, on the pod that I did with him a while ago. It's probably been one of the biggest things that I've learned from him. And we talk so much about like people go, drop your ego, drop your ego. It's like, no, ego is really important if you've done the work. So like if you've done the work, you need to have an ego to get to where you want to go. And ego is only bad if you haven't done the work and you have the ego. I, I, I agree so much with you there, Dil. It's I think when the ego stops you from making smart decisions yeah. is where it's challenging. Where it and you're acting on emotion you. or something. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, you said something there before though, want it. Don't be patient, want it. And that's the correct word. I remember hearing in Matthew McConaughey's book, there's a part where he talked about his agent saying, the fucking world smells desperate and needy from a mile away. You can want it, but don't need it. Mm. And I think that for me has been the message. You can want the direction you can go, you're can you going in. You can want to have a massive podcast. You can want to step on stage. You can want all these things in your life. The minute you need it, the minute you rely on it, is where it gets really dangerous. Yeah. You know why? We're getting so like... Philosophical. Ph- philo- the, I've got to be able to say that word better. What's the good word? We're the great philosophers here. Philosoph. Philos. Fuck you. Philosophical. Thank you. Philosophical. But even now to the stage where, um, and this is through podcasting, right? And discussion yeah. that you learn this stuff is more and more and more now, I realize that there's a reason quotes are cringy, right? Mm. And there's a reason they stay around and age the rest of the time is because they're fucking true. And the journey of like getting to there. So we're talking now about like where you want to be and you've got to want it and to get it. That is 10 times more important than actually getting it. So like when you actually get it, you're like, oh, I want something else now. So it just, it doesn't fucking matter. Can I read you something on that? Can I read you something? I'm just going to pull up my notes. So I wrote this down the other day because it really, it really stood out to me at a point in life where I'm learning that I need to pivot now. And I'm, I think. For the last couple of years, I've been so focused on pleasures, getting it it and the pleasure of getting it and enjoying the journey. Like the journey is so important. This really speaks to that. But also remembering that sometimes you've got to do shit that you don't want to do to get there. You do, man. That's the part. I heard this, Jordan Peterson, seen a little clip pop up. It isn't obvious at all that we want happiness. It isn't even obvious that we want absence of misery. What's really obvious is that we want an adventure. We want an adventure that is so compelling that it makes the misery of life not just justifiable but worthwhile. Yeah. And that's the journey, mm. the adventure, right? 100%. And like for man. me, that's it speaks to that. I have to ask you, you spoke there before about, you know, moving into your now wife, yeah. you know, the mother of your child's parents' pool house. How much did that give you confidence-wise in the fact that you had your person? Because yeah. when everything's perfect, everyone wants to be a part of it, right? Like yeah. right now, Dylan Friends is going great. Life is good. People from the outside want to know you, want to hang out with you, want to talk to you. When shit goes wrong and shit isn't moving to the plan mm. and like you're sacked from your career, you would what most be as most described down and out and that person you love is there beside you mm. and like we're going to rebuild again. Oh, it's, I, uh, it's hard to talk about because, um, yeah, like Juz is just incredible. I do... I, Struggle to talk about her a lot just because she's she's so incredible. But she always says this one thing to me, <clears throat> and it's like we always reflect on those times, and not like I'm, I'm not saying that in a state that we're like 
fucking killing it or anything. It's just we're at a stage we're really yeah. happy. Like we've got a, a baby that took us fucking two years and we think back to that time where yeah. I'd been sacked. She didn't know what yeah. she was doing. We're living in the pool house and you fast forward three years later and we're married yeah. with a kid and you just go. And I always just say to her, like, fuck, you must have... Because I'm a bit like you in yeah. a way, like I'm delusional. Like I just yeah. think things are going to work out. Yeah. <laughs> delusional is a nice mm. word to say about us. But I think back to then I was like, what were you thinking like when when this happened like when I left footy like what did you think was going to happen like were you fucking scared that like mm. you know what was I going to do or what were we going to do and like fast forward now and we're doing this and she said like she just said to me I just always knew you'd work it out like I always just knew you'd, you'd do it you'd do anything to make it work and like that's just to, yeah. to this day like the most like she said it just in a passing comment but I don't think she still doesn't know how much that like meant to me just because um, I'd probably let myself down a lot early, just not living up to things that I wanted to do properly. Mm. And yeah, she she just always has confidence that I'll get it done, which in, for, which in turn makes me believe in myself when I didn't even believe in myself. It's massive, isn't it? Mm. It's massive. It's, yeah. For me, it's been the greatest, you know, I say my family's the greatest gift, the, the other great gift that's up there is meeting my partner. Yeah. Meeting my partner at a time where nothing in my life was going to plan. Yeah. Where did you meet? Um, funnily enough, the old Instagram. Inst- um, oh, you slid in, did you? So, mate, I just got back, to be honest, I was at a point where for a long time I had this belief that if you met me or if you seen me share my story and I talk about having bleeding lungs and cystic fibrosis, how could you bet on a future with me? Mm. You know, when you go on Google and you search cystic fibrosis, it says that the average life expectancy is 40. Who wants to start a life with someone that they won't get to finish it with? Mm. That was my view. Such a limiting belief, right? And I didn't even believe that I wouldn't make it past 40. Mate, I reckon I'll make it to 100. 100%. I'm going to be a centurion, I'm telling you. 100%. You heard it here first. No, I'm fucking, I'll, <laughs> I'll back that. But I, I had this idea that I couldn't have a partner because of that. So I thought I'd go through my life the rest of my life without someone Yeah, were well, you just like, it's not an option for me? I just thought it's not going to happen. Yeah. Like I'd, I'd had enough. Was it more the fact like you didn't want to, you didn't think someone would go for it or mm. you didn't want to put someone through it? Bit of both. A bit of both. But also, you know, like between sort of 20, between 2020 and really 2022, my health was so up and down. There were times where, like, every second night my lungs were bleeding. Yeah. Like, this is exhausting for me. So it me. wasn't even, a, well, probably didn't, wasn't even crossing for your sure. mind. And don't get me wrong, like, I was still hope, like, <clears> I was hopeful that I could yeah. find someone. But time and time again, Dil, I'd found it really hard to, like, when you've been through what we've been through as a family, there's such a tightness and a bond. And, like, I love my family like, no, like nothing else. Like, mm. I love them so much. And I just found that I consistently was meeting people who didn't share my values and morals you know, didn't believe in the, the importance of family, were more interested in just the superficial bullshit. Well, when you've been through something like you have, it's quite hard to just have a casual conversation because you've been through so much that, yeah. you know, it's like getting to know you now. I feel like I've known you for 10 years sort of thing. For so sure, people aren't yeah. really, if they're not interested in getting to know someone on a deeper level, it's nearly hard not worth, me, it's hard for, to connect. And I've even found that with myself lately. I struggle with just asking people how they're doing. For sure. Like, I'm like, no, just tell me, look, what's going on? Skip the small talk. Yeah, right? I'm not into the small talk. And so for me, it was like I'd sort of given up. And so my old man, like my best mate, 
I'd been living with him in Gong in an apartment and his partner and my little dog, their grandchild, Hunter. Yeah. Shout out to Hunter Boy. Auntie. And um, they were moving to Queensland. Like I'd said, go move to Queensland. You want to do it. Go have a crack. Go be in the sun. Go enjoy life. Kick back. And so I was like, well, I'm going to move somewhere. Maybe I'll just move overseas and, and have a crack and see what happens over there. And so I thought before I do, I'll book a trip. So I booked a trip, went over to New York and LA for, for two weeks by myself. And I sort of strolling around and I was like, fuck, I feel alone. Alone in the sense that like, I'm a little bit lonely because I've got a lot of acquaintances and friends and a lot of mates that when I'm back home, there's heaps happening. But what about when everyone's with their partners and I'm just doing my thing? Mm. Man, like if I'm if I'm one out and I'm not going to find that person, this doesn't feel right. I want to be able to share these memories and these moments with someone. So I was in this headspace of like, fuck, it's sort of sad that I can't have that. And I'm not saying that you can't thrive by yourself because you can, but I was at a point in my life where I'd been by myself for so long. I really wanted to find someone. It's funny, like the universe sends you those messages. I got home and I was sitting, it was like my first Saturday night back at home sitting on the lounge, 7.30, I'm in pyjamas, having an ice cream, watching Netflix, and um, my dad and his partner are out on the town having a drink, and I'm fucking 26 sitting at home in my jammies. And I'm scrolling through Instagram, and, and just this girl that I knew locally um, who'd been really supportive of one of my charity events put this photo up, and in this photo, it's her and two other girls, and one of the other girls has the best smile that I've ever seen in my life. Mm. Like, just a smile that could light up a room, and I was like, who is that? That wasn't jazz, was it? No, it wasn't my missus. It wasn't my missus, right, we're, we're obviously describing our missus in the same yeah, way, right? Okay, yeah. So she said, Jazz has heard the same thing. Right? <laughs> You've told her the same story. And I'm like, who is that? I need to know her. And I wouldn't say I'm the most confident cat when it comes to relationships because I'd always struggled with it. Never really been in a proper relationship at this mm. point. I'd always just been in and out of like trying to figure it out. And so I seen this smile and I was like, clicked on her Instagram profile on private. And I was like, I need to follow her. So I followed her. Within like two minutes, she's followed me back. And they're out mm-hmm. somewhere in town, right? And when she's followed me back, I'm like, all right, I'm half a chance. I click on her profile. It's like no photos. She hasn't posted for like five years. And I'm like, this has got to be too good to be true. Because I'm like, who hasn't posted in five years? <laughs> like, why can't I see any photos of her? What's going on? And then her friend puts up a photo on her story saying... She's single, so her name's Sophie. Sophie's single, like, get after her boys or whatever. And I'm like, oh, I need to be quick because so many guys are going to message her. Yeah. Right? Now, I don't know at the time that she's exactly like me. This is the first time she's been out in a year. (laughs) Normally, she's at home in her pajamas, right? And I'm like, man, she looks so cool. And so, like, she's so good looking. She's going to have that many guys message her. So, straight away, I'm like, what do I do? So, I send her that story and I go... What's the application process look like? (laughs) And so we bounce back and forth. We set up a date the next week. I'm so nervous still. Like I I go to the stage. I can stand on stage in front of thousands of people and I'm so relaxed. Oh, I'm getting sweaty thinking about the date, mate. Like what what did you- I've changed my shirt three times. I'm like- What did you go go for? Well, so we went for a walk coffee date from my favorite cafe in town. Daytime. And so I'm like, I've got shorts on, you know, walking sneakers- and I'm like going between a white t-shirt and a singlet, and I'm like, like I'm looking pretty tan. I got I got the tough stickers. You went the singlet. I'll go the singlet. Oh right. no! <laughs> so, oh no! So, I pull the singlet out, right? I rock up, and I've even got this pair of glasses that, like, they kind of like 
dent the bridge of my nose. Oh, like they mark it. So I'm like, yeah. I'm not going to wear the glasses until like 30 seconds before I see her. So I look cool when I take them off. Okay, yeah. Right? And so I see her walking down the street and s- straight away the armpits go. Like I'm sweating because I'm like, fuck, she's even better looking in real life. So I'm, I'm panicking now. <laughs> like there's no way in the world that she sees me. Like my mum reckons I'm a handsome cat. I know my mum's lying, right? Yeah. So I'm like, there's no way in the world she's looking at me and going... He's punching, or well, I'm punching by my weight. She knows that she is top tier and I'm struggling a little bit, right? And so we walk in and she's like not really talking. And I'm like, oh, she doesn't like me. I'm like, oh, Lord of the Coffees, what do you want? And then we'll go for a stroll. And I'm like, oh, she doesn't like me. I can tell. But I don't know. She's so nervous. Yeah. She's so like, she's extroverted at home, but so introverted when she meets new people. But anyways, like we ended up walking and talking for four hours. Oh, Got wow. on like a house on fire. Did you let and her talk? Not really. <laughs> <laughs> she said to me, she said, it was great because I was so nervous. You just talked the whole yeah, time. Exactly. Are you a nervous talker? So you just went oh, yeah, yeah. like, yeah. I'm just rattling. Yeah. But mate, I just, I knew very quickly. Yeah. Within like, we had a date again the next day. That's a week cool. later we went, we're going to go on our third date out to the beach. We ended up spending 12 hours together. And just had the best time. And straight away, I was like, I'm going to fall in love with this girl. I know yeah. it. And it was two weeks into our relationship. She came over to stay at my house with, um, you know, my apartment with my dad and his partner. And we were sitting there and, mate, it was just she She come over that night and she never left. Two weeks into our relationship, we started living together. She just <laughs> never left. I just said, don't go. Why go when we're having so much fun? So now we so live together. together since. Yeah. That's so unbelievable. That, when you know, you know. And yeah. I fell in love with it straight away. But there was something for me that like when you spoke about it before, when you were, you know, talking about jazz and mm. that belief, I could see the sweaty eyes coming on, mm. right? And for me, it was just a, a really powerful moment where there's been a lot of moments, but I'll share one that's very specific to what we're doing today. The last couple of months has been tough financially, right? Because she left her job to try and find something new. I don't have any income. Trying to make it as a speaker, trying to make it in the podcast world, nothing really going to plan like I'd like it to, right? It's me being really honest and vulnerable here, No, I love it, man, but it's going to. And we're sitting there at home and I'm just sending email after email, looking for opportunities, trying to figure something out. And then I hear, ding, email pops up. And it's this man over here, Darcy. And I was like, this is a podcast I identified a couple of years ago. I'll probably get emotional talking about this. Somewhere I'd like to be sharing my story because I'm like, this guy's done something I want to do, right? Like, I like being connected to cats like that, like you, right? And as I sit there, I read it and I'm like, you're kidding. How good's this? They want to talk to me. Like those little universal reminders when like, actually that morning I'd sat there and I said to my partner, fuck, am I a bit foolish? Because... I've got this idea of how I want it to go. I've got this dream, mm. but there's nothing right now that's telling me that I should stay true to that path. You know, I've got this purpose I'm so connected to, but nothing in the real world is giving me a sign that I'm on the right trajectory. And I'm like, I want to have kids in the next couple of years with her. I want to set up stable foundations at home. And I'm like, you know, I don't want to stress about how we're affording groceries anymore. And I get this email and it pops up. And I just go, fucking yes. And she reads it and she gives me the biggest hug and I'm tearing up because oh, I'm like, yeah. I just needed this sign today. And she said something to me that gets me emotional every time I think about it. She said, I know that it's tough right now, but one day we'll look back on this 
and remember how fun this experience was, how much of an adventure it was. Just like everything we've done this last couple of months hasn't been financially fruitful. It hasn't been exactly to plan, but it's been an incredible experience. And regardless of where we end up, this will always be some of the best months of our life. And like when you've got a partner who, when, you know, nothing is going to plan, shit's hit the fan and they're still there beside you and they believe in you sometimes more than you believe in yourself, it is the greatest feeling ever. And that's for me the power of, I used to see love from the outside looking in and I would go, yeah, it looks nice, but is it all it's cracked up to be? Fucking oath it is. Love mm. wins. Oh, love wins, brother. That's unbelievable, man. Yeah. I really appreciate you sharing that. Like, oh, yeah, just for even the context of coming on the show and, mm. and stuff like that, it means it really does mean the world. And to be honest, I think once you're in this network, not that I can be doing anything here, like people always say fuck since we came on the show and they'll be like, thank you for, for coming on the show. They're mate, the audience connected with you they loved you and i can fucking tell you right now like they are going to like it's got nothing to do with me what i'm saying like this is the the i'm lucky i'm just the fucking one in the seat like i'm the You're one the captain that, of the ship i'm the brother. one that's just lucky enough to sit here and talk to incredible people but i can tell you right now the messages and the people that will be supporting you from this the people that will be fucking kicking that door in that apartment in wollongong you're gonna need a new um locksmith on that door yeah. to uh to get you down to to um <laughs> to do some gigs, to do some podcasting, do some speaking because you're a fucking superstar. Um, and I don't say that lightly. I'd love to be keeping... We're not finishing, by the way. No, I know. Um, but I'm just sort of just giving you... I was going to say, a, we better not fucking... No, we're not man. finishing. I've got more. No, I've got more. Mate, we're not finishing. I'm just giving you a pre-pump up before the end of the it. pump up because the last one's going to be even bigger. Um, so, yeah, you're a star, mate. And I didn't actually get your partner's name. Soph. Sophie. Sophie. Yeah. Mate, best human. What love are you going to do bit. while you're in Melbourne? You got any plans? So we got down on, so my partner comes from Tamora, yeah. the Sticks. Where is Tamora? It's an hour from Wagga. So it's okay, the Sticks. So she's in the Giants territory. Yeah. She's a GW's Giants yes, territory. Yes, she is. Yes. She is. Actually yes. got uh, mates that she grew up with who play for the Giants yeah, right. and some who play for Carlton, your yeah. old club. Oh, you know, uh, is that the, that would be- Hit um, me with a name and I'll know. God, I'm complete. Uh, Matt Kennedy. Would it be yes. Matt Kennedy? Yeah. Those boys yes. are all from- that, from that from region. Lockhart, where she grew up. Yeah, so there's yeah. yeah there's so a- she grew up first eleven years in Lockhart, then moved to Tamora. So I tell you a funny story. When I met Soph, the third date we went on, that date where we went to the beach, spent twelve hours together. Went to the beach, went to lunch at Clifton, which is like on the water near home, beautiful spot, and actually around where we eventually picture ourselves with a couple of little rugrats and yeah. you know where beautiful. I love to be, <clears throat> and. We went back to hers and we put on Yellowstone. I'd never oh, watched it. I love it. Yellowstone. So, so good, right. right? I'd never watched it. And she goes, you've got to watch it. She goes, I'll, I've watched the first two seasons. I'll rewatch with you because I love it. Now, her dad, um, shout out to David, is an agronomist. He's a farmer. He's got his own farm. He's basically a farm doctor. He helps farmers keep their farm in good nick, grow their crops. When things are going wrong, they call out David. Yep. He diagnoses what's going wrong and, and gives some... I guess some advice on what they can do is all organic and sustainable. So that has an incredible view on farming and the way that the quality of our land and and produce should be. Sort of like a Dr. John Dutton. Great example, right? And so when she's first telling me about her dad and her mum works, like runs a massive harvest seeding company, right? So they're in the farm world. So I'm looking at Kevin Costner going, 
this must be what safe old man's like, you know, riding the horse yeah. to work from one end. Maybe he's like, Rip, Maybe he's like, Rip, I'm in trouble, yeah, right? That would be scary. And so, more, actually, to be fair, my old man's like, Rip, not really? a farmer, just a tough bastard yeah. that, mate, biggest teddy bear when, when you're his boy. Yeah. But, mate, if you cross the old man, you if got you, trouble coming for yeah. you. He's a, he's, a, he's a tough bastard, right? Yeah. And so, if you don't have the patch, yeah, you're not, yeah, you're not yeah, wanted. You're not wanted. And so, I'm looking at Yellowstone going, this must be like tomorrow. Like they're riding horses around, a bit of straw at the corner of the mouth, you know, cowboy hats on. Yeah. It's nothing like it. Yeah. Um, it's nothing like it in short, but it is very country. And funnily enough, one of my best mates now in life, Zach Lomax, plays NRL. I met Zach through the podcast. I interviewed him. He's been on a bunch of times now. Zach grew up around the corner from Soph. Yeah. So it's funny how like the universe and worlds collide and, you know, mm. talk about six degrees of separation, but she's from there. So long story short, <laughs> well, not really. Um, <laughs> we come down to Tamora. We drove down on Wednesday, which is about four and a half hours from home, pulled in, stayed with Soph's fam for a night. Then her mum come down with us um, for the couple of days down here, which is great. So I always love being able to get together with Soph's family because mm. for me now, that's my family, you know, like we're creating that together and... You know, Soph doesn't get to see her family as much as I've been able to spend time on mine because, you know, the distance apart. So we're down here. We're cruising here today. Um, got a coffee with one of my guests um, who was on the podcast virtually a couple of weeks ago, but it comes out next week. Nice. Um, Joshy Hare. Shout out to Josh Porter, James Sport. Incredible brand. He's down here in Melbourne. Mate, do you know what is so weird about Porter James Sport? So I love my fashion. I haven't seen a lot of their stuff at the moment, but it's mm. come up. For me, like... How I come across it? It's, come, it's hit me like 10 times. No, well, just randomly. So I think I saw maybe something online. Then one of my mates who's actually coming to um, work with us with some do some design stuff because I've got like a, mm. a golf brand. He, I think he knows uh, him as well. Yeah. And then I've seen him on something else. And yeah, a lot of people talking about uh, this brand at the moment. So He's a cool cat. To be mm. honest, interviewing Josh was like looking into the mirror. Is he is he a Kiwi? He is. Yeah. Um, Oh, I hope I don't get this right for you, wrong for you, Joshy. I think a Wellington boy. Yeah. Um, who come over here for love. You know, talking about love, love wins, right? So yeah. Joshy's in Melbourne and gonna grab a brew with him a little bit later. Going to the G tomorrow night to watch Richmond and St Kilda. Yes. Um, which would be good first time at the G. Actually second time at the G, first time with State of Origin when I lived here. Um, how how New South Wales of me is yeah, that? Going to the G to watch Origin that's, for the first time. It's, that's that's, that's, that's a, a shocker. That's me crook. Um, but looking forward to that because Soph's family are big AFL fans, you okay. know. Um, Tamora's probably a healthy split between league and AFL. Yeah. Um, so looking forward to that and just, mate, just cruising around, having a bit of fun, eating some good food, probably a couple too many croissants, coffees. Who, um, talk, talk to us about your podcast. What's your favourite part of it? Who did you, who's some of your favourite guests that you've had on? Oh, mate, I, I love the pod. I reckon, I say all the time, I reckon the pod's made a man out of me. Yeah. Because I think when you grow up, in your own context around people who are very similar to you, you think that everyone operates the same way that you do. The pod's given me real empathy because when you, you know, mate, even like I used to look at people who had issues with drug addiction and go, how on earth do you get addicted to drugs? Like how stupid's that? And then when someone's sitting in front of me telling me that like they've never felt the love from their family, like something that I've taken so for granted. Mm. Don't get me wrong, I appreciate it, but I take it for granted because it was so easy. It's just there. And they're like, the first time I ever felt love was when they touched a drug. I'm like, 
fuck, like, mm. I kind of get what you mean. Mm. Like, don't get me wrong, it's a silly decision, but I get why you'd be led to that. So for me, it's opened my mind to how the world is so different, Yeah, how people are so different. We all have our own unique context. And for me, the podcast was built off this, for me, definitional development of purpose, which was... I believe my purpose in the world is to uplift and inspire hope in others through a story. Yeah. And so it's all about... That's what no, I was going to say. Yeah. I've got something okay. for you after that. Because I I, just before we get on to that, I've got something for you that you will love. Because yeah. you know you were just saying before about how it's like... It's emotional intelligence, yeah. right? Like like learning yep. bits and pieces. And I want to send you this clip. I put my finger up then like we're in a classroom. I'm more meant... <laughs> You're I'm, really scared me. I know. You got, I'm you more, got me there. <laughs> sorry, I'm more meant like... I really want to remember to tell you something yeah, okay, after okay. the show, but it's going to happen now, now because okay. I've already fucked it up. So there's this video that I've spoken about before, maybe once or twice, but it's incredible. It's on emotional intelligence. And to what you were saying before, it hit mm. me so truly because I was like this, and I think a lot of young men are like this, is we have one belief, we grow up a certain way and we think this mm. is the only way that I can ever think. And the analogy is uh, the analogy the video is this it's basically talks about um yeah emo- it's called emotional intelligence 101 I'll, I'll definitely this time share the link i'll make sure it's in the show notes and send it to you but it's a um cartoon on youtube it goes for about eight minutes and it talks about emotional intelligence and the video goes like this there's a, a, a man sitting on the side of the street he's a homeless man and uh, there's two types of people in the world it says but you know it's generically speaking and the first person is you know grown up idolizing you know heroes and um, heroes and villains and loves like roman gods and believes in leadership and you know if it's if it's to me it's to be and has grown up maybe from a lower um, base but has got their way and done it their way and they're really proud of theirself and i was like yeah you know fuck that's that's me that's what i want to be you know i've mm. hope you know grown up with this and i want to get to this and i want to conquer the world it's like that that ideal of a conqueror and they, they walk past this homeless guy and the homeless guy goes, hey, mate, do you have a dollar? And the guy goes, mate, fucking, I've worked my life. Like, you know, I'm here, you know, I'm, I'm doing everything I can. I work hard. I do this. I do that. Like, why don't you go get a job? And he walks off and goes, I'm not, I'm not giving you a dollar. Like, you, sh- you should learn what I've learned. And not in a, so I'm probably saying it a bit more negative, not in a negative way. It's just more like, you know, if you want to get to where I am, you've got to work hard. The next person is a person who believes in sort of like giving back and they've come from, you know, a family that's maybe well off and they've learned that they're really lucky to have what they have and they believe in sort of helping people up off the ground and um, giving them them support and, and going through. So they walk past and they end up giving them a dollar. And it gets to the end of the video and they said, there's actually, people always debate which one's right and which one's wrong. Mm. And because I don't know which one you identify with, but I, you know, embarrassingly maybe definitely identified a few years ago with the first one. I'd say the same. And the answer is there's actually not a correct answer. It's just knowing that both exist Mm. and that you can actually flow in and out of both of them and you understand that there's different people in the world. We all have different opinions and all those opinions are based from shit that we've been through. So it was a really cool piece for me because I thought like, fuck, I have to stick to this. This is who I am. This is my one thing. I want to be this guy that's like conquers. It's like, well, I can play that role for a bit, but then I can go into this role and I can be empathetic and I can understand why people are the way they are. And then I can come back to this when I need to and I can come back to the other part when I need to. And 100%. You can you can go in and out. So I suppose for me watching that video and what you're talking about before about these discussions with people and learning new things, it's just, it's just every time I have a chat, 
I learn more about someone and learn more about how I would react in certain situations. It's, it's so true, Dylan. <clears throat> I guess to use a coaching analogy, I've heard, you know, in rugby league, there's a, there's a real mix between, you know, Aussie, white Aussie kids and then also the Pacifica kids who are so talented and they've grown up so differently with such a different cultural background and understanding of authority. And you hear a lot of the time, you know, I've had a, a few of them on, these guys who grow up with that Pacific Island background or that Maori background, Kiwi background, where you don't really stand up to authority. You really respect your old man. Yeah. You know, you never question him. What he says goes. And if someone raises their voice, you kind of respond by receding and doubting yourself a little bit more. And as a coach in rugby league, there's this balance between some people need a firecracker up the ass and some people need a hug. Mm. And there's two different ways to communicate that message and see... Mate, I grew up and there was a massive frustration for me leaving school where, you know, at 18, a lot of my mates were going out, getting on drugs, binge drinking. And I was like, fuck, you are dickheads. Mm. Like, mate, I'm fighting for every square inch of my health. But I just, re- I realized that, well, they haven't grown up with CF, so they don't get it. Mm. So me preaching at them only drives them further away from me. And then I realized through the pod that there's a different way to this, like that emotional understanding intelligence that empathy is all about hearing someone out first hearing their story understanding their context and then how do i make sure that if there's an opportunity for me to impact them i have to know how to impact them first Mm. i need to know how to communicate that message and so i found for me one of the best ways was instead of like you know i don't have to solve problems for people but i can lead by example in the way that i show up in my own life and I can understand them and share what's worked for me and then ask them questions that might help me. And and that's the beauty of the podcast is, for me, it's this ability to learn all the time. Like we were speaking about it and you told me not to waste the gem on the, the pre-chat. Yeah. So I drop it here. I had this incredible lady do on the, the pod. podcast. So that's at least one thing. Don't do the pod before the pod. Yeah. And <laughs> I've, mate, I've got lessons to learn in that space, <laughs> let me tell you. I, I spoke at this event at the start of the year, Humankind incredible event run by a company called The Winning Group who have the brand appliances online and do some incredible things in the commercial space. They decided as a company, let's just fucking put on a massive keynote event, a summit where we've got all keynote speakers from around the world. So Wim Hof, Professor Scott Galloway, Mark Burris, all these incredible people come to speak and somehow I found my name on the list. Actually, not somehow, former guest of your podcast, Cooper Chapman, friend of mine, um, dummy, a solid rang me and said, there's a spot. Do you want it? I said, bloody oath I do, Cooper. What a good man. Great. Talk about good humans, right? Coop, got me on. So I go there, I speak, um, had a really amazing time, like loved it, met some incredible people. Thankfully, they called me the next day and said, hey, do you want to come back? There's a spot that's opened up. If you can get to Sydney, Luna Park in 90 minutes, you'll be on stage. How far is it gone from Sydney? About 100 minutes. So um, without incriminating myself, a few cheeky manoeuvres in traffic <laughs> yep, yep. Um, and not so polished getting ready procedure. Um, me and Safe threw whatever we had on, got up there, got on stage, um, had a massive go on day two, loved it. Probably the best performance I've ever done on stage. And I met this incredible lady who I'd just caught the back end of her keynote the first day, Katarina Kuhn. Actually works as the chief strategy officer and neuroscientist at the winning group. She's an incredible keynote speaker from Germany. So she's got really cool accent, really sharp, smart, fun, amazing, and just caring lady. And so Kat interviewed me and done a live podcast in front of the Opera House there at Humankind. Wow. And we sat there and she spoke all about the neuroscience of self-knowledge. And so we started riffing on 
my story. Um, she done an assessment on me because so it's called the Deep Sphere Assessment. You can do it online. The Deep Sphere Assessment actually, and you should get her on the pod. I really recommend her. She's great. It assesses the five primal emotions of human personality and behaviour. So they rank, care, um, seek, play, and guard. What was the first one? So rank. Rank. So rank. So like the desire to achieve, succeed. Oh, rank. Sorry. Yes. Goals. Yeah. Yep. Rank. Yep. So rank, care seek, play, and guard, yeah. right? And so you do like a 10, 15-minute assessment where you answer all these questions with like, they're like multiple choice answers and it spits out an assessment on how you're wired. And so I was apparently what's really rare, one of a kind, right? And it was high rank, high care. And she said, rarely do these two coexist. So she said, let's talk about your story. Let's dive into your story and let me mm. understand why it is that way for you. And I answered really truthfully, right? So just to break this down, high rank, high care. So that meaning meaning you want to care for people and you want to have high rank. So is it's almost selfish and selfless at yeah, the same so time. The, so they contradict so each other a little rank bit. Rank is like <clears throat> this drive to achieve and you've got so much ambition that you do whatever you have to do to, to succeed get and get to your goals. Yep. High care is like supportive, empathetic, yep. nurturing, your people before you, that kind of play. So she said, that's really rare. So let's get to the bottom of why. So she starts asking me about the context of my story, right? Mm. She had no idea of your story. No idea. Yeah. She didn't get to hear me speak. And as she starts to understand my story, she goes, this makes sense. The only reason that you're in the position you're in is because of the care your family gave for you and because you understand how precious every minute of life is. You're high rank because you want to achieve things while you've got the opportunity to do so. Yeah. This makes a lot of sense. And so for me, I'm like, it's funny that if you if we all wrote our stories on paper, if you looked at it, if you looked at why you are the way you are, someone from the outside go, I don't understand that. It's so different to me. But when we start to understand and hear our stories play out in real time, it makes sense. Mm. And so Katarina um, has taught me a lot about just the way that I'm wired the fact that you actually can't change your wiring, but you can learn to work with it. And so, like, for example, she said, I'd love to see how Soph scores on this test. Yeah. Well, not scores, but how she, um, how her what results are. are. Yep. And Soph is high care, high guard, cares so much more about the people around her. And, like, around, actually, one of the things that said in her results was she cares more about helping others achieve their goals and their direction in life than she does about her own. She gets her purpose from caring. She also loves the security and the consistency of having solid routines and systems in life. And that is so safe to a T. So everyone who'd done this test, like all my mates, my family, a bunch of my podcast listeners, done it and got heaps from it. And just as I was sitting there, like listening to Kat. We'll, we'll, sorry, just what was the test called again? We'll it's put called it the in. Deep Sphere Assessment. Deep Sphere also do Assessment. A link. Send us a link and we'll, yeah. that's in the show notes. Put it in there. It's yeah. cool. And um, I think it costs a little bit because they commercialize it for a lot of businesses yep. and whatever for their staff. But It's an investment to yourself. Um, 100%. I learned heaps from it. And the interesting thing for me, I, I kind of almost forget where I was going with this, but like just incredible to learn the importance of story and the importance of our context. And so I've just loved every opportunity through the podcast over three and a half years now. Um, it's quite a lot to talk about for anyone who's diving in. A lot to talk about because like I... I know that you've got a few contacts at Spotify because mm. um, you're doing really well. I was lucky enough to get a reach out at the start of this year and they connected me with um, a few of the incredible people at Spotify. So, you know, Hannah from Spotify in Melbourne, Hannah no. Spenos. No. Um, I seen one of your contacts on LinkedIn who 
think there's a little Dylan Friends billboard getting around somewhere in Melbourne. Oh, uh, Prithi. Yes, uh, I met Prithi. I met her. I met yeah. Ben. I met a few of them um, up Leah. at an event in Sydney. Leah. I was yeah. on a meeting with Leah Sarah. recently. Yeah. Sarah. Yeah, they're all great, right? Yeah, fantastic. And one of the things that they said to me was, really helps to have a niche. Yeah, but I just don't have a niche, man. Uh, I, I'm such a unique cat. Like, yeah. it depends what I hear. But that's your niche, you know? Like, Yeah, insane. for sure. So, you know what's really funny? Is like this whole podcast. And, and I think if you're starting a podcast now, right? Yeah. Like, if you're starting one today, niche is great because there is so much stuff so out much. there. So, like, I would definitely niche down. And what they say, <laughs> you know, the, the niches are in the riches. Yeah. Um, but- it's really funny because for so long when I was coming through, people were saying the same thing to me about the niches and stuff. And then they'd go, oh, you know, I used to have this guy message me saying, you've got to keep your, sh- your episodes under 45 minutes. Like, hey, Mission Andy, keep it under 45 minutes. You've got to keep yours under 45 minutes. And I was like, but why would I cut it down if I don't, like, if it's too long? And I was like, thought about it. And I was like, every single thing, Sorry, the other thing they say is you always got to have something in the caption that draws the listener in. Yeah. And those three things I've never done. Okay. Just like not because it's I'm against it. Just like yeah. I was like, fuck, I don't do any of the three things that they said. And then I was like, look at someone like Joe Rogan, the biggest podcast in the world. His episodes go for four, like four hours. hours. <laughs> they don't have anything in like try and listen to someone that, on Joe Rogan. Like you can't actually yeah. find out really what people do. The, the bio is like three words long. There's no nicheness to it. It's like the most random shit mm. that ever happened. So I think at the end of the day, as long as you like what you're doing, you're passionate about it, yeah. your audience will find you. And that, that's my thing, Dil. And I realize that- And you've got to be consistent. That's for the sure. Big, that's so the biggest thing, the I The biggest thing is, I'll ask you this now, do you release the same time and day every week? Tuesday mornings. Every week. By 6 a.m. Good boy. Every week. So that's all you need to do. Pretty much, it's the days has changed, but yeah. it's pretty much been every week for three and a half years. Good. Yeah, 100%. Like, we so, do not miss a Never miss a week. Never miss a week. Never yeah. miss a time. It's got to build, be built into the routine. And to be honest, we talk about routines. Mm. The routine is as much for me and Darcy and everyone else for our lives as it is for the listener. For sure. So, like, how do you expect people to be in a routine if you're not in a fucking routine? Like, 100%. It's, it's actually more important for me to go, oh, I need to get this done. Yeah. Monday, we release this. Thursday, we release the minis. I didn't... This week, I haven't slept because I was so sick early in the week. Mm. I was like, I didn't get a mini done this week and it's really been playing on my mind. Like, yeah. you fucking missed it. You missed a Thursday, you fucking dickhead. Like, you know, that negative self-talk. But yeah. I'm also like... Come on, mate, it's been five years. Like, just relax. Like, yeah. you can miss one week. But then yeah. I'm like, no, nah, you fucking bitch. Why yeah. did you miss that Thursday? One week is going to breathe yeah, back in place. Like, yeah, everyone's going to hate. No one's going to yeah. listen anymore. You fucking <laughs> flog. Um, so, yeah, anyway, a bit off track. But I think the consistency is just as important for you um, as it is for the listener. And this is not just to do podcasting. This is in mm. life. Like, you have to have that something that keeps 100%. you grounded to certain days each week, whether it's a gym or whatever it is. I want to share one of my favorite ever experiences off the back of a podcast with you, and then I want to hear yours. Go for it. Um, so this is a unique one. <clears throat> so I had, I don't know if you know Hugh Sheridan. Hugh Sheridan, Aussie I do. actor, Hugh Sheridan. That's, was yes. on Pack to the Rafters yes. many years ago, has been on a bunch of incredible things. Really talented cat, right? I went up to do a podcast with Hugh. So my sister's best friend seen him at a pub one night. He was drunk. She said, you got to go on my best mate's, my best mate's brother's podcast. He goes, oh, I'll go on. She goes, let's take a video and send it to him. 
I saved the video, sent it to Hugh Sheridan the next day. Are you a man of your word? He goes, fucking oath I am. That's great. So we book in a podcast, right? Hugh lives in Bondi. I go up. He's just come back from LA filming a show over there. I go up to his apartment, super relaxed. He's in gym clothes, just been in the gym, having a protein shake. We sit down. We're on the lounge. We record. Great yarn. I've never met the guy in my life. All I know is that he's a bit of a funny cat and that he's got a big story. Mm-hmm. And we sit down. We have a really honest, open chat. Amazing episode. Still one of my favorites to this day. We then were sitting there after just yarning, packing up. And he goes, Oi, what are you doing now? And I go, Mate, I'm just cruising. Probably going to go for a coffee in Bondi while I'm up here. He goes, I'm supposed to start reading lines with an actor for an upcoming role. They've pulled out. Do you want to come read lines with me? I'm like, Fucking <laughs> oath, I do. I'm like, so good. That's probably the only experience I'll ever get in the acting world yeah. unless I really try, right? I'm like, Yeah, where do you want to meet? And he goes, I need to go drop my glasses in to get the prescription done down the road. Go find a spot at a cafe. Text me where you're at and I'll come meet you. So it's February in Bondi. Packed. Really nice day. People everywhere. Go into this cafe. Last two-seater table left. Sit down. Hugh walks in 10 minutes later. He hands me two scripts. He goes, there's two things that I'm going for. One of them is a role in a TV series. The other is a movie. He goes... The TV series is Tiger King season t- or Tiger King two, like the spinoff. Yeah, yeah. Right, and I'm like, are you kidding? And he's like, nah, you need to play Joe Exotic. I'm playing his dead ex husband in flashback memories. <laughs> I'm like, what world am I living in? Yeah. This is sick, right? So we're sitting there, and he's like, you don't have to do the accent, but I need to practice the accent. And I'm like, you. If I'm playing Joe Exotic, I'm, I'm doing, doing the accent. The accent. <laughs> right. So Pat Cafe and Bondi. Everyone's looking at what are these two cats doing, right? Great experience. And then, you know, read this other script for a rom-com movie that was going on Netflix. I don't even know if you got the parts, but I often think about that and I'm like, that's an experience I would have never had without the podcast. Yeah. It's one of the reasons that I love it. Love to hear yours. Give us one. Oh, mate, I've got I've got two. Go on. Um, one's a very long-winded one. I've told it before, but I still don't give a fuck because it's the best story in the Rattle. world. So it's not even – it's actually before the podcast too. So – um, as I'm not sure if you're aware, but it took me and my wife like a while to conceive. So it probably took us like over two years through mm. a, a lot of, you know, we had a couple of ectopic pregnancies, IVF, um, all these bits and pieces. So it was quite a cha- challenging two years. And it left me very, in a way, as much as I was uh, still doing pods and everything, I was very like, didn't really want to fucking meet anyone that I didn't know anymore. Like as soon as the mic pods were done, I was sort of like, without even knowing, I wasn't very- Tuned out. Tuned out, Yeah. And I keep getting emails from this guy and he's like, do you want to catch up for a coffee? Do you want to catch up for a coffee? And I was like, fuck. And I always will say yes to things. Like, and that's what's got me to where I am. Like, I'm a mm. yes, I just I just do. And I definitely got out of that pattern. And I was like, fuck me, this guy's persistent. Like, all right, we'll go get a coffee. Long story short, went out of coffee with him um, and we're just vibed. And we're just like chatting the whole time and... He's uh, one of my good mates, Ali Tarai. I've had a podcast with him since and still good friends to this day, do business together. And he goes, in three weeks, I'm going to Scotland. He's like, I'm going to the Gulf. Do you want to come? And I was like, you know what? Fuck it. Like, I'm going. Like, what's holding me back? You know, I'm lucky enough to build a position where I can do sort of what I want to do and can go away. Like, you know, I'm not a tree. I don't have roots. Like, I'm going to fucking, if I want to go to Scotland, like, I can go. Um, So I went over there with him. Had this incredible week. Like he's a very, 
um, deep thinker. Like I'd love to connect you guys together because yeah, this guy's just unbelievable. You should listen to his podcast actually as well. And um, we went over to London, then went over to Scotland to the golf and had these incredible experiences. Saw Cam Smith win the um, yes, win the golf. I spoke to him at the press conference, made worldwide news. You know, just affirmed to me this thing of like I can do whatever the fuck I want to do if I want to do mm-hmm. it. So it was nearly the best worst thing that ever happened. Just says, in that sense, because it just made me even more of a dreamer. Yeah. So I had this incredible week, and when I was over there, I was like, this overarching thing in the back of my head was like, fuck, I've left Jels at home. Like, I want to get her over here. She needs a break as well. So I called her and I was like, you need to get over here. Like, get the fuck out. I don't care what it costs. Like, you know when you're overseas and you're like, yeah. let's just wonder last, like, whatever. Yeah. I was like, get on the flight. She's like, I don't have a passport. I was like, go and get your passport um, fixed. So it was like on a weekend. She had to like go get it done and it would take two weeks. She somehow got it done in a day, expressed, got on a flight that night. We met in Greece, had this incredible two weeks in Greece, just had the best time ever, holidaying, um, exactly what she needed just to like mm. get away and have fun. And um, yes, yeah, shared this incredible experience together. Come home, four weeks later, she's pregnant. Fuck, how's that? So... It's just like Bro, one of those things of like similar of like Yeah. Just saying yes to some random fuck. I always say to Ali, like, thank fuck I got coffee with that weird bloke. Because <laughs> like that just wouldn't have happened, you know, like saying yes to going overseas. That's crazy, isn't it's it? It's a crazy You know one. what I have to say too, I want to thank you for sharing for sharing so vulnerably as you have done in a bunch of episodes now on the journey to to getting your little man. Yeah. Because for me, so I have to I have to go through IVF yeah. if we have a baby because of CF. Yeah. So in CF patients, in ninety nine point nine percent of CF patients, the vast deferens doesn't develop in the male. So I could have likely, hopefully, touch wood, mm. have really healthy sperm. Soph could have the healthiest eggs, but I just can't transport um, the goods. Yeah. And so we have to go through IVF and. Can you use your sperm though? Yes. Yes. Yeah, so that's because. Yeah. It's Sorry, just, so the yeah. vast difference just hasn't developed. So yeah. the sperm doesn't get transport, yeah. transported. So we have to do IVF. So wants four kids. Yeah. So I'm like, like we've got some IVF procedures ahead well, of us, darling. Technically, so. if you, you know, I'm not sure if you've started that process yet or you've learned about it, but it's a funny process, man. Like when I say funny, it's not funny at all, but it's um interesting just how much you will learn about the body mm. and like, the amount of shit that I could talk about of like Juzz's, you know, AMH levels and like <laughs> shit that like, you know, as yeah. a young bloke, I just would not think I knew about, you know, her and stuff. But again, it's just something that you will learn and you end up just loving each other so much more because of that journey you go sure. through and shit. But it's, um, it's crazy, mate. Like you'll, you know, and we can speak about it now. It sounds, you know, weird, but going in there and you pull your own dick and get yeah. like, that's what happens. Like you have yeah. to go in and. I know it's funny, but like you have to go in and you know oh, ejaculate think. into a cup and. Bro, was it was it Ryan Dunn who spoke about yeah, his joke over yeah, the counter? Yeah, yeah, love yeah, that, yeah. love that. So they, um, you do that and yeah, you see how many it is. It's like a yeah. fucking game. It just takes forever. It's like when you, the way I explain IVF to some people is like when you find out you're pregnant, that's four weeks into the. So it's four weeks yeah. of a month of work has already been done. Like the hardest yeah. part has already been done when you find out you're pregnant. Mm. Then you've got to wait to find out, you know, for eight weeks and the 10 weeks and there's all these milestones. But the hardest part is the first four weeks. 
And IVF, the hard part about that is you are nearly at minus six weeks. So yeah. it's, it's, a, it's a really drawn out time because you've got to prepare and you've got to do this and you get For to... Sure. So it's it's super really interesting of how it, 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 it does... It's an emotional toll, but it's very um, rewarding. Can I ask, you might know this because it's something I haven't <clears> researched yet, but it's something I've speculated. So when you've got your embryos... Yes. So one of the things, one of the positives for us is that... You can so test if you, them. We can test them. Yeah, you do. To yeah. see if... Because if so, if there's a 4% chance that SOF is a carrier of the CF gene. Yeah. 4% so we test it. We had testing for all types of genetic yeah. um, stuff as well. And something did come up in one of... Like it's, it's very common for everyone to yeah. have certain different pieces, but yeah. it's only if you're both carrying the same thing, Correct. I think. And yeah. because, so where two people carry the CF gene, which is a 4% chance that somebody does, yeah. my parents both did. Wow. Where you both do, there's a 1 in 2,500 chance that you bring a baby into the world with CF. 1 in 2,500. Yep. Wow. Now, because I have CF, if Sophie's a carrier, there's a 25% chance. Got you. So the chances are much higher. But the fact that we can test that gives us a lot Mate, of reassurance. There's a lot, there's, there's, I actually know someone who, not CF, but they did a IVF. Because um, it's funny, once you mention IVF, every person that's about IVF chats to you about chats, it, which yeah. is beautiful because it's, it's like a community of helping each Support other out. system, right? And I've known a lot of people that have had genetic um, issues and mm. have had many, many healthy children. Right, so yeah. great to hear. Can I ask, when they do that testing, can they determine the gender of the baby? Yes, did you, can you uh, opt sorry. to... I think they... Oh, you're testing me on that one. I think they can. I think they can, yeah. Can you opt to not know? No, they will never tell you. In Australia, you're okay. not allowed to know. Oh, that's great. Yeah, so in Australia, you're not allowed to pick, I was like, pick that would on be, gender. I no. feel like that would be weird. So that's why a lot of people, if you want to go and have like a certain gendered child, you have to go like overseas to do it. Yeah, see, I just want a surprise. No, nah, you don't want to pick. Just... I feel like I'm going to be a girl dad. I thought I was going to be a girl dad. Like, I reckon I'm going to be tortured with, like, a couple of girls that I'm always stressed about. Oh, I, I, thought, I was really looking you know? forward to being a girl dad. But, yeah, it's just, like, now that I've had Max, I'm like, I can't imagine having a girl, just having a boy. Talk to me about... Before you go into your second story... Oh, yeah. Talk to me about the first... What are we now? We're... <clears throat> Ten weeks. How's it been? It's fucked. No, nah, it's been unbelievable. It's been so good. Um, everyone keeps saying that the first 12 weeks are the most difficult, mm. but also, you know, really... Spe- like, it's been... To complete, like completely honest, I can't complain at all because I've got an incredible, you know, wife that does so much fucking. Like, they are so connected to the mum mm. that you just have the. If you think you love your missus, just wait till you see, like, you know, yeah. them what they do and what they go through. And like my favorite part, and I don't say this lightly, is like I honestly think my favorite part about it all is just like you know when those late nights and you're just like sitting in bed and you see them just together and mm. you just watch and you just go like what you just have that like out of body you just like oh my god what's going on right now like yeah. how how is that my son and that's my wife and they're together and i'm here and it's just pretty cool talk to me what have you learned about yourself in 10 weeks of fatherhood i am the most oh, i really need to work on patience mm. like i've i'm not where i want to be right now like i don't think i'm i don't want to say i don't think i'm a very good dad at the moment because i'm not doing much dadding but i think like as a parent at the moment i'm definitely not where i want to be um yeah it's like i just don't i think i thought i'd be better but it's been like really challenging because it's i'm just i'm struggling with the patience of things you know i've heard it's a cliche and as you said cliches or quotes that you hear often are probably true 
that you hear you can never prepare for parenthood. Do you think that you can, like, to say that you're, I think you're probably too harsh on yourself there to say that you're not where you want to be because you're 10 weeks into a life-changing experience. I don't think you can prepare for that. No, you can't compare for it at all, but it's just, it's, it's, um, it's just like, I just don't, yeah, I'd love to be more, it's very testing. It's like, it's just so, but it's so, I hate saying that because it's like, I'm being like completely 100%. It's so, like, I I love this guy with like all of my heart, like everything in him is there and it's there, but it's like, I wish like there's still parts of me that are like, I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? You know, like what, like, it's just, it's hard, but it's, but it's beautiful. Like. For sure. It's hard. I remember seeing a clip about a month ago on But then YouTube. he smiles and you forget everything. Oh, for sure. You know sure. what I mean? Like, yeah. it's just, uh, yeah. But, yeah, I'm not saying that in a way, like, I hope that comes across the right way. And I think any maybe young father would understand. But I just don't, yeah, I've got really high expectations for myself of what I want to be. And it's also hard because you can't do a lot at this stage. Like, I'm not really, as I can be as part of it as much as I can be there but at, the, at this early stage they are really relying on the mum so you just got to do as much as you can to support them really i think it's a good sign though i think the good sign of a great parent is questioning you know i'm going to share this quote i share it all the time because yeah. it's one of my favorites i had an incredible guy on the podcast rich Davini, retired navy seal wow. um wrote a book called the attributes something that rich said to me sticks with me every day i think about it he said brad the quality of our lives is directly proportionate to the quality of the questions we ask ourselves mm. And the fact that you're asking yourself some quality questions about the kind of dad you want to be, yeah, I reckon is a really good sign about how quality, how much quality you're going to give to your no, little man. I appreciate that, man. Yeah, it's definitely something that, like, we talk about now, like what you want to be, and you know, you not per- like yeah, purpose. It's a it's a fluffy word, but I more for me, just want to be a cool dad. You know, I just want to want to be a good guy. I want to be the one that you know he comes to when he wants to talk about things for um, sure but like that stuff's in 15 years you know like i'm trying to I, that's the stuff that i thought about as being a dad mm-hmm. but i'm like the stuff i'm <laughs> learning about when they're like this age that's the mm. stuff that's i've got to be good at like i'm learning because right like, i don't know what that is you know like i don't remember yeah. what my dad was doing when i was this age or so that that's the challenging part it's like i can't do that yet but i want to do the this part first, I've got to learn this. It's funny. I um, I do an episode of the podcast every three weeks with my two best mates, mm. or two of my best mates. There's a few of the other best mates that would be hurt by that. Um, <laughs> Joey and Ferns, or Joe and Ty. And we sit down, it's called Three Mates, and we just riff on a really relevant topic at that point in time. And when I mean relevant topic, <clears throat> I mean last week was the topic of dreams. You know, we're all- Like dreaming? Like, oh, like dreaming, like that your dreams for yourself for gotcha. the future. And so we sat down and we spoke about dreams and every time we do one of those episodes, we give ourselves a piece of homework. And this time was to write down a dream you have for yourself and a challenge that's making it hard for you to get closer to that dream. It's making it hard for you to bridge that gap. Mm. And when I really thought about my dream, where I see myself in the future, there was two things that popped in my head. One part is me standing on stage, sharing to an audience and, and sharing really uplifting, inspiring messages that do something emotionally for those people, doing the same thing behind a mic. But then also the next day, going home, going to bed, the next day waking up, rolling over, giving Sophie a kiss and just like four little kids Mm. bursting through the door and jumping into bed with mum and dad. And then 
like the pleasure of going to do what I used to love doing as a kid and going and playing sport on a Saturday, like yeah. going and playing footy and then sitting there and watching little humans that you've created do the things that you used to love as a kid. Like that excites me. Oh, and I sure. think it's hard not to look too far forward because like you said, right now that's not well, that, yeah, the reality. Yeah. But that's but it's mate, exciting. It is. And that's, yeah. that's exactly the point. It's like for me that I have done that so many times, especially when it looked like it was never going to happen. Is like my biggest thing I'd imagine is sitting at the beach, like watching my future kids, like doing nippers. And it's weird because I'd never grown up near a beach. Like I've never, um, I love the ocean more than anything. Like when I lived yes. in Sydney, I just loved the beach yeah. and I was, or, and I wasn't as, like when I say I'm not as confident in the water, I can swim, but I want to be really confident with the ocean. Mm. And that's why I was always like, I just want my kids to do nippers. Yeah. So, for me, that was always like that imagery for me was watching them run out of the water. But at the moment, you know, he's not running. He's just, he's there with me, just holding him. So, yeah, it's like the, this period wasn't something that I had visualized for so long. So, I suppose for me, it's like the impatience to not, I don't want to get to that point right now because you don't want to wish away the time. But for it's sure. almost like harnessing it all. And it's an evolution, man. It's so crazy. But the fucking human body is just, it's just incredible, which is, an, you know, another episode in itself. Life is a miracle, isn't, isn't it? Isn't it, man? Do you want me to tell you about my next one? How long have we been going forward, Ars? Oh, 40. All right, we'll keep going. Um, the next one, my next weird one, yeah. which was really recently, which is why I've been so fucking run down lately, had the biggest week. We... How do I tell this story? I, I think I've seen some photos of this, with the, what the, you're going to share yeah. on Instagram. The golf day? Fuck, I had so many questions about that. Man, it was crazy. Talk to me. So it even started like... It's sort of two-part pronged story because it was just... I'll talk about the week because it was so fucking mental. Got this email again, weird email. And I sort of just dismissed it straight away. I thought it was like one of those marketing emails that are like, do you want to come to the premiere of this movie? And I was like, no, not really. But didn't even read it. Like, stupidly didn't read it. Then Zach was like, did you see that email? That was said, do you want to come to a movie premiere in the Philippines? So we were like, what the hell? So long story short... (laughs) Worked with this awesome um, brand, Snack Drawer and Netflix and Will, the team. We've got to shout them out because they're just the coolest people ever. And they flew us over to the Philippines, um, had this awesome trip over there. And, um, yeah, it was awesome. Like, saw Chris Hemsworth, all this shit. So, again, it was just one of those things like, say yes, work it out later. Was it Extraction 2? Extraction 2. I've seen the outfit. Have you seen Good it? choice. Yeah. Haven't oh, the outfit? The, yeah, yeah, yeah. Good choice. Horrific. Um, <laughs> well, I haven't watched it, no. Before we went on that trip, we did a podcast with Ali Day, who oh, yeah. is like, speak of people you meet on an app and you just vibe. Like, he is just a cool dude, man. Like, just a nice, yeah. genuine guy. Like, I've done an app with his movement coach, Taylor Cecil. There you go. Great man. Is he from Gold Coast as well? Yeah, one of those like guys who speaks in philosophy. He's Love a that. He's a... Fucking stoic, that guy. Okay, we'll have to. Yeah, I, we'll we have to. Yeah, we'll have to cross over. We'll have to yeah. do that. Exchange digits. Um. Anyway, so I was having this chat with Ali Day and just loving everything. Like, just love this guy. He's just a cool dude and really just genuine, genuine cat. And at the end of the episode, he's like, "Oh, I'm going to Mick Fang's golf day. Are you going?" I'm like, "Oh, I was like, no, but I'd love to." <laughs> and um, he's like, "Oh, mate, I'll send an email. I'll see if I can get you in." So. We went on this trip, got back, got back with... I had a few like missed calls while I was over there from numbers, but I was like, I never really answer calls if I don't have the number saved. Mm-hmm. So, if you're anyone out there, always just send a message or leave a voicemail. Because like, I 
I just hate that feeling of answering a phone not knowing yeah. who it is. If it's like, I don't know, who it could be, telemarketer or something. Anyway, get back. I had this email from this girl, M, and M, uh, sorry, message from a girl named M. She's like, hey, this was Thursday, so I've come home for one day. She's like, hey, I've been speaking to Ali, got his email, been trying to contact you. Do you want to come to Mixed Golf Day tomorrow? We've got your flights booked. You're going to fly out at 6 a.m., get back at midnight on Friday. And I was like, oh, my God, fuck, like, I've got to do it again. So I said to Jazz, like, I'm sorry. I've just been away for a week, like, a week. <laughs> She's been with Max. I'm bound for a day. Left. And then, yeah, went um, on the trip, flew up, had the most incredible day, just met some awesome people, um, also met some, like, really, really cool – had some just awesome conversations with people about potential work to do in the future awesome. and met some awesome brands and great times. And, yeah, it was. I was just like, again, without just saying yes to that and putting yourself yeah. in that situation, that opportunity wouldn't have sort of come up. Um, Love that. From that, I've – been couch ridden for a week because I've just been so fucking run down. But again, sometimes you got to pay the price of a bit of a flu after pushing yourself too hard. Good things cost. Good things right. cost. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I was just thinking <clears throat> then we've gone on this tangent from like probably an hour ago. Yeah. When are we going to start the podcast? Right. <laughs> when are we starting the episode? I wanna... This isn't the episode. I think we're just talking. We'll get into it soon. We're, we're just we're just flying, on, mate. This is pre-chat. I have to say. Um, I love this. Like for me, like sharing stories like this, bouncing, learning about people, it's the best. And as a listener, like I, I'm not just a creator of podcasts or a guest on podcasts. I listen to a lot of podcasts. Yeah, I that's love cool. It. Like I love it, and just because I love that story element, it's the best when you just hear people riffing, having yeah. a good time. Yeah, it's it's when so does good. That start? Yeah, <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's, that's a cheeky little deal. Um, <laughs> I have to say though, I want to share one one more thing. Mate, because you I, I do, this is this is your episode. I'm just sitting here. You share 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 the house down. There's something because you know we've spoken a few times throughout the course of the episode about being a dreamer. Yeah, and being positive and that self belief. There's something I want to share about my story. That is the reason everything over the course of the last three and a half years that's good has happened to me. Please. So I spoke about leaving work and starting the podcast. That's where yeah, we went on that tangent, where, right? I was going to say, we didn't even pick yeah, up from that. Yeah. Let's get back to that. And I, I want to be a bit vain here. And this part of the story is a little bit vain and I it is it. a little bit um, selfish, but it, I think it's really important for the listeners. It's the thing I always try to share. I appreciate you bringing it back because I no. was going to. It just clicked to I, me. It just clicked yeah, to I me. I was right? going to, but I was in a roundabout <laughs> way. We were having fun, man. Yeah. We were having fun. You don't have to apologize for that. So I left work. And one of the first priorities on my list, the biggest priority on my list when I left work was not just to dive into this podcast thing, but to get my health back. Mm. You know, my health had been so turbulent for the last couple of years since 18. And I was like, what have I got to do to get my health back? And I was like, well, baby steps. I'll start, you know, we're in COVID lockdown. I'm allowed out for an hour a day. I start going for a walk. And then it was like, I'll start getting in the ocean pool and having a dip and doing a few laps. So I started to feel like I was getting a little bit of my health back. And I had a bit of a dad rig. I'd been sitting behind a desk drinking too many lattes and eating too many coffees or eating too many biscuits at work and drinking too many coffees. So I was like, I want to get myself back into shape, respectable shape. So I started doing that and I bumped into a guy who said, hey, why don't you come to this Sunday run group? It's called the Active Boys Run Club. Shout out to the guys. It was actually their fourth birthday today. A lot of them are big fans of Dylan Friends. Oh, shout out, man. Um, is that in the gong? In the gong. Ah, I'd, yeah. I'd come down there one day. We'll do if, that. If you're in the gong, come yeah. have a run with us. Yeah. 6 a.m. on a Sunday. And I was like, 
how far do you run? They go 5K. I'm like, fuck, who runs 5K? Mm. I can't run 5K. I'm only walking at the minute. I hadn't run for seven years at this point. I was like, but you know what? They have a coffee after. They have a dip and they have a yarn. I can get around that. So if I can go and struggle through a run, this sounds like something to be interested in. So I rock up. Um, also a bunch of girls there. So it's active boys and girls. It's developed over the course of the last couple of years. And um, I get there and I go for this run. I struggle. Like I'm talking, I struggle big time. But I enjoy a coffee, a drink at the end. I'm like, I feel good about that. Got that endorphin rush. I also just challenge myself to do something really difficult, something that I haven't done for a long time. And I feel like I'm winning. I got better because of that. Did so you know just, these guys too, by the way? Were they um, friends? I went with one mate, but I didn't know most of them. Yeah. No. And so then a, a lot of them become point. some of my best mates, yeah. two of them in particular. And so I'm like, I'm going to go back next week. So I went back and I went back for four weeks in a row. And on the fourth week, I went for a run. I was feeling fitter, but something felt weird in my lungs. It felt like loose, almost like there was liquid in my lungs. And I was sitting having a coffee with the lads after and I coughed and I tasted that blood again. It's the first time from the age of 18 that I'd coughed up blood again. Found myself back in emergency that afternoon and the same again for the next two days to follow. So on the third night I'm sitting in emergency, they're like, okay, this has become too consistent for our liking. We need to run some tests. We need to make sure that you haven't lost too much blood, whether we need to do a transfusion, what we need to do will be determined by the tests that we do here tonight. Now it's 2 a.m. I'm sitting with my old man in emergency and we're waiting for these results to come back. And my dad being the weapon he is, when I was two years old, he and my mum created a charity event for CF where my dad, my uncle Tez and a couple of marathon runners, they were just footy lads at the time who loved their footy, kept fit, done a bit of running. They decided to run 68 Ks three days in a row for CF. Mental. And so a photo had popped up on my phone of my dad running across the finish line with a can of twoies in the shortest footy shorts you've ever seen, just looking like a beast. And we were laughing at the photo. And dad asked me about how I was feeling about everything that had happened the last couple of days, like where my headspace was at. And I said, you know what? I feel really optimistic and positive because I know I'm on a path to get my health back. I'm doing more than I've done in a long time about it. And I sat there and I realized that, you know, I'd been starting to hear about people's purposes and their stories and what they were doing to uplift and inspire hope in others. And that was becoming my purpose through the podcast. I thought, what can I do not just to recover for myself, but to show people with CF that this isn't doom and gloom, that the way you see it, what you believe Mm. is what you become and, and you control your belief. You control your belief, you control your perspectives, you control your actions. Can't control what's happened to you, but control those three things and you're in good stead. And so I said to my dad in that hospital bed, I said, you know what, it's July now. By the end of the year, I want to run a marathon for CF. And he goes, you say you're going to do it, you'll do it. And so on Monday, I got out of hospital and I put it on Instagram and I thought this will keep me accountable. And straight away, people got behind. I was like, fuck, I'm in it now. And over the course of that next couple of months, like four months of training, had an incredible man, Ben Seymour, who had been a guest of the podcast. He's a former rugby player turned endurance athlete. Ben trained me mm. for free and come down and run the event with me. And a month out, I had one of the scariest bleeds of my life and ended up back in hospital but decided that I'm not going to let this defeat me. I'm going to go and put my two feet at the start line and do what I can. And I finished a marathon, 42.2 kilometers, right? It was fucking tough. I struggled. But the reason I wanted to share this message is because at the finish line, when I crossed that line, it was the most important thing I'd ever done in my life. Because 
how often in life do we get challenged by things and we let it define us? How often are we told that we can't do things or we're told that we shouldn't be a dreamer, that we shouldn't have these high hopes or expectations for our life? So we just blend in. It's like we just become one of the sheep and it's fine. Go do things that are comfortable, have some comforts in your life, but I think you've got to challenge yourself and you've got to know what you want. You've got to know who you are and ask yourself the question of who am I, what do I want from my life and how do I get there? And as I stood at the finish line and I looked around, you know, my mom, my dad and my sister are moved to tears because, you know, I've been through this real battle, especially those last couple of months to get there. And I think for them, it was this sigh of relief that he's going to be okay. He'll mm. always figure it out. You know, there's like a hundred people standing there, friends, family, like 13 people ran this marathon with us. We'd raised over 50 grand on the day for CF Australia. And as I stood there, I said, you know, a doctor 24 years ago at the time told my parents that I'd be better off with a terminal illness that, you know, CF would ruin my life. I said, fucking look at me now. And I think so often in life, we forget that we're in control of what we believe. We're in control of how we see our challenges and we're fucking in control of what we do every day. And I hate, I hate this idea that people are out there becoming a victim of their circumstances. Like, I think I'm proof enough, you're proof enough. There's so many people who are proof that you shouldn't, Brett's another one of those guys, that you should not allow anyone else or anything to determine the trajectory of your life. And for me, that's it's really important to share that with any listener because I was given no hope, but here we are. And, you know, I want that to be the message of, of anything that I do. Oh, I love that, man. I love it. It's important. Goosebumps, bro. Made it's important. Yeah. And you owe it to yourself. Doesn't it, doesn't it show like, and I'm not, not comparing my journey to yours, but it's all relative, right? Like what other people have been through. And it's like, doesn't it show you with what you've been through now? Like you might not have ever tested yourself if you didn't have CF, you might not have ever put yourself in these positions or put yourself in this situation to, to start with. Best thing that ever happened to me. Yeah. Being diagnosed with a life-threatening condition. Because it's given me a story to tell. It's given me a purpose. And I truly believe that, you know, I said that purpose is to uplift and inspire hope in others through story, but I believe that I've been tested to show other people that no matter what you face, you've got the opportunity to do something about it. Mm. And and sometimes, yeah, when you're coughing up blood or something's tough, things aren't going to plan, you think, could be easier without this. Fuck, I wouldn't be the same man though. Mm. I wouldn't likely love my family or my partner the same way that I love them because I understand how precious that is. Maybe I wouldn't be hosting a podcast, speaking on stage, you know, even little things like I go, would have been smarter if I had a game plan before I left my job. But if I didn't leave my job, the last three and a half years wouldn't have happened the way exactly that they did. Exactly right. Yeah. Like oh, it, I agree. Everything happens for a reason. And <clears throat> that it's just so important to me, man, to make that the message. And just then don't get complacent with it. You know, I've run another two marathons and an ultra since. You know, you just don't stop challenging yourself just because something's gone to plan or something's gone right. Like, I think it's you climb one mountain, you look for a bigger one to climb. Or you just go, maybe it doesn't always have to be a bigger one, but how can I climb it a little sharper next time? Or how yeah. can I climb another mountain and just enjoy the view a little bit more on the way up? It's just always looking for opportunities to, to better yourself, to be a little bit more in touch with who you want to be and how to get there. Yeah. Mate, I fucking love it. And, you know, we spoke with Brett um on, on his podcast as well and he sent me a challenge uh, of uh, what to do next you know like at the end of it he's like 
you know, she obviously you know, pretty inspired from, from that chat. And one of the things I said that I'd be doing is um, Muay Thai. So I said Muay Thai, I think, but it's I said I'd be doing Muay Thai. I haven't done that yet. I'll be completely honest. Like, I haven't done that yet. Um, I'm in a real... And I, I suppose at the moment, because I've been a little bit crooked, and not that that's an excuse, but I've been sitting on the couch the last few days and I have this really shit thing, which I don't know if it... It is shit, but it's also good in a way because I have this really bad, toxic thing with myself where I start here, right? I bottom mm. out. So, like, at the moment, I know in myself I'm, like, down here because I've been crook, not in yeah. any routines, not doing anything, not testing myself. And then I okay, you fuckwit. Let's start, like, doing your Muay Thai or doing this challenge, whatever it is. You build up, do it. You've reached that goal. You feel, like, awesome. But then I keep... And then I come back down and I feel back in that thing. So for me, it's yeah. like the, I needed to be more consistent with like what I'm doing. Mm. Are you feeling now like you're in that consistency? Is it like for you un- unbreakable? I'm probably very fortunate that in the process of it can't training be. for that yeah. first marathon, I fucking fell in love with it. Yeah, okay. I love running. So like, I love running too, but I tear my fucking calves every time I run. I've been hearing this. Man, I'm not jo- – like people think I'm joking. Are you this. hitting some calf raises in the gym? Like are you strengthening the, thing, the fuck not, out of them? I'm not – going to the gym and i need to go get like a program and stuff a bit better speak um, to i think there's this expect so you've had have you had ned brockman on the show i have yeah so you see guys like ned run across australia you um, think that i'm going to try and do that now yeah that's the challenge i was yeah. going to set you yeah um you have guys like ned you have guys like pat farmer who pat is a politician running around australia which is like twenty five thousand kilometers right now um incredible that's moving crazy. some some big distances like 80 odd kilometer days right yeah Weapon, Will Gooch, run across America recently. Good looking rooster too, let me tell mm. you. Um, when you see those people do that and you see them just run every day, there's almost this Got to start thought. relatively where you are, don't you? But also, yeah, but there's also this thought that because they're running every day that they're not in the gym. But they're yeah. in the gym for months leading no, up. I know, I know. It's that strength piece. And the minute I started having some issues with my Achilles, tendonitis, yeah, same, yeah. it's because I got out of the gym. And my physio, Paddy Weston, weapon, nosy stuff. Patty said, mate, get in the gym. This is what I want you to do. A lot of single leg calf work. Mate, I've had a problem with my Achilles yeah, since. Yeah. Um, so it's just, it's doing those little things. It's really going back to go forward a bit. And that's 100%, the thing I take for granted is like being in the system I was for eight years. And I know how much, like, mm. so Nick Crocker, who um, is a really good friend of mine, um, he messaged me yesterday. I'm just trying to find it here. Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? And he sent me a screenshot mm. of my Strava. So he's a um, venture capitalist. This guy is like one of the most, so like just one of the most successful dudes. And he's successful because of his habits, not because of like what he does, but he's just so, you know, in tune with stuff. And he sent me a um, screenshot here and he said, it's like of my Strava. It's a peak. And then I haven't ran for like 30 days. And he says in like, brackets when i'm not running it's not going to be good for me like you said that that's what i say all the time no i always say that all the time like that running keeps me you know fit mentally everything because i'm burning you know energy he goes i do sunday long runs the aravan i'll come get you next time like how good is that how good's that like someone keeping me accountable um sometimes you know what i think it is too nathan buckley said it in the chat that you recently had finding someone to do it with to stay accountable to but i also think there's something to Find a partner, but also don't forget to test yourself solo. Solo. So I've got this thing. Anytime I start a prep, 
for like a marathon, yep. I call it the phase of establishing fucking mongrel, right? Where I go out and do all my long runs by myself. Yeah. Because I want to be out there for two hours hurting with no one to lean on. Mm. But I and loved I've, that. It's so nice it's, when it's you the have best that. Because you have, that you have a belief. Yeah. That's it. It's that belief. And I reckon like sometimes you've got to establish some mongrel. And then once you've got that mongrel, keep it. Yeah. So I'm, I'm in the business of keeping it right yeah, now. Yeah, that's good. There's a another word that you can't really use uh, on podcasting, but it's you got to get a bit of cunt in you. You yeah. know, that little bit of yeah. see you next Tuesday. 100%. Um, and that's the thing about being, you know, we could, I think we could probably talk all day to be honest, we but can. there's this little bit um, that I really love and I always am wary with the podcast stuff that we, we do, you know, they're very vulnerable conversations and we always talk about the, you know, speaking up and all those things, which is so fucking important. I second that. Second that. But I think one of the most important things, messages too, is that things aren't always going to be comfortable and things aren't always going to be good. Mm. Um, and you can't always be in this great mindset of visualization and mindfulness. Like there are times they're going to be fucking shit. And when those times do come, you just got to get it done. And like that's the part where I think a lot of people sometimes maybe in this space we tend to gloss over, you know, the, just the, the feeling good things. And it's like things can't actually always be good. Like without the, without the shit, you don't know what the good stuff actually feels like. It so gives meaning to it. It gives that meaning to it. That quote I read before. Yeah. It's not <clears> even <throat> certain that we want happiness or absence of misery. We just want an adventure. Mm. And that adventure, which is life, which is the ups, the downs, the cruisy moments, the flow, um, the peaks of the mountain, the absolute trough of the valley, all of that is a part of the adventure. It's what makes it what it is. Mm. It's what makes you who you are. And that's why I wouldn't have it any other way that I have cystic fibrosis. It makes me who I am. Makes me a bit of a tough cat. Love it, man. Tough in the sense that probably got a lot of mates that could put me on the ass. Yeah. But tough that I'll always get back up. Yeah, I'm And that that resilience piece, you can develop. And people think that resilience is something, it's God-given. Oh, it's not. No, it's not. We've all got resilience, but you can develop it. And it's that process of developing it. That's that establishing mongrel. That's that getting a little bit of see you next Tuesday in you yeah. where you have that resilience that you can get knocked down, you can get up, you can keep moving forward and- in moving forward, you have this undeniable proof that I don't just have this idea of who I want to be. I am that person. Mm. I am moving in that direction. I'm moving in the direction of my goals and the direction of my dreams align with my purpose. And that's a good place to be. Mm. I can't speak for you on this a bit, but like I, some people might view that of, of you or, or us. And I'll tell you right now, like in my head, yeah, like I always think I am this relentless fucking beast and I know that I'll get through anything. Mm. I know deep down, but it's still fucking hard to do it, you know? It's, it's still or, tough like, When you have resilience, it doesn't mean that it's not hard. It just means that you've, you've got the belief you'll get through it. It's still fucking hard, unfortunately, and it still sucks. You know, you said before when you shared that thing about emotional intelligence that we think it's I'm this or I'm that. Yeah, it's both. Sometimes it's both. Mm. Mate, I'm sitting on the lounge and if I'm watching Pursuit of Happiness... When Will Smith says to his son, don't ever let anyone tell you who you can't be in this life, I'm fucking shedding tears. Yeah. I watched Blindside last week, cried four times. Yeah. Sandra Bullock gets me every time. I'm like, I'm it's still an emotional. Role. Role there, Great role. Yeah. Yeah. Mate, when that scene, What's I've watched that, that movie again? like um, that. Leanne Tilly. Leanne Tilly, yeah. So I watched that the yeah. other day, right? Just a feel good for him. When, he, when Michael Orr walks into that room <laughs> yeah. and he goes, I've never had one of these before. And she goes, a room to yourself. And he goes, a bed. Yeah. 
I just turned away straight away from all my family. Oh, yeah. And I'm, you know, lips quivering. Like, you know, in between yeah. is when Jay gets a quivering lip. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. My lips quivering, tears, just some sweatiest eyes. Oh, yeah. And I turn around and my partner's safe and she's crying too. And I'm like, just because you're a vulnerable cat doesn't mean you can't be a tough bastard when you need to be. Yeah, I you love know? it. Yeah. I like to play range, both roles. Range, Exactly. Just quickly on that movie, one more one more scene I like is when um the the they unfortunately crash the car. Yeah. And they're like, oh. If an airbag hits a kid like this, he's going to die. Yeah. And then they go over to uh, Michael and he goes, I blocked it. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, oh okay. Yeah. He blocked it because he loves him. Yeah. But he also blocked it because he's going to be a star. Yeah, that's what he's meant to yeah. do. Yeah. <laughs> 98% of protective instincts, right? Yeah. 98% of protective <laughs> instincts. Great movie. Cracker. Great what, movie. Quickly, what's your favorite movie? Secret Life of Walter Mitty. Oh, great movie. Surely you love that movie. I love that movie, but mine would be Catch Me If You Can. There's no analogies in that. That's just a good movie. Yeah, there is. What? Be a smart cat. Yeah, yeah. Be a smart cat. I I will say probably top five, Catch Me If You Can. I just like the story behind it because it's real. Yeah. Um, How good's the scene where he's got the, like they're in the hotel room together with the wallet. So good. And he just plays it cool. Oh, Tom Hanks is, is up there. Leo's up. Leo's, oh, Leo's big up there. up there. Matt Damon's. Is he in Good it Will Hunting. Is Matt, Matt Damon's Damon in? not in it, but Good Will Hunting. Oh, Great Good Will Hunting is just... Cracker. Yeah. You know, Unbelievable. That's I, the I last sent it to scene Sophie of when the other day. him and Robin Williams are together and they're like talking about things and he's like, I've got to go see about a girl. He's like, mm. you know that part where Robin Williams goes, motherfucker stole my line. Do you know that, wasn't, improv, meant to, hey. that wasn't meant to be yeah. in the film? Yeah. I love the scene. I sent it to Sophie the other day on TikTok. Got me massive brownie points too. Mm. Where he's talking about his wife yeah. farting in asleep, and yep. he goes, "Not that so farts in a yep. sleep. She's amazing." Um, <clears throat> but he says they're not imperfections. They're those little idiosyncrasies that make that your person. Hundred percent. And that's I'm like, I love that. Well, when Jazz and I got married, the one part that um, when I thought about it, you know, like our speeches and stuff, that is funny is just like those little things that only I know about or like when we eat dinner like she like is the cleanest person ever but without doubt no matter what meal we eat she gets shit on her face and I'm like how did that pasta get like on your forehead like I don't understand yeah. how that like got there so those little things that are like funny or annoying yeah end up being the things that you like so it's got a range of terms that just make me laugh oh yeah like she just cracks me up her vocabulary for like commentary on things is the best. We were driving here in the car and I can't even remember what she said, but it had me in stitches. Yeah. The best. I've got to meet her. She's a yeah, good girl. Um, what's next for you, mate? What's goals? Put something out there for us. What's uh, what's happening and how can we help you? Mate, the next thing is just to continue to develop a sustainable career yeah. in this space. Yeah. So what does that like what does that look like? Just consistent bookings, podcast sponsorships. Yeah. Especially the the speaking stuff, the keynote stuff. Yeah. Like so that is that like is schools, is it universities, um, a lot corporates? Of, a lot of corporates. Yeah. A lot of corporates. Yeah. And probably the frustra- frustrating thing for me, if I can toot my own horn, Please. has been getting like, I went and spoke at Humankind, was voted by the staff as one of the best speakers of the week. Yeah. I'm there with people who charge, it was a not-for-profit event, so we all done it for free. Yeah. But I'm there with people who charge 50 grand to be on stage. Yeah. And I'm like, but how do I convert that to consistent bookings? How do I convert really good feedback It'll to come, getting consistent yeah. bookings? So that's the challenge for me at the moment. There's a challenge. It's an adventure that I'm yeah. up for. Um, you know, continuing to develop the pod. I love the pod. 
been doing it for three and a half years without making anything from it, which for me is undeniable proof that it's something I love to do yeah. and will continue to do regardless. So just continuing to be consistent in those spaces, um, you know, creating more life, more adventures with the person that I love, with the people that I've got surrounded, I've got, you know, great mates, great family. I'm very lucky and looking after my health. Our next health goal is Soph wants to run a marathon around September, October. So I'm going to okay. be stride for stride with her, um, shouting some positive affirmations and boost morale. Um, which when she's in the hurt locker, she hates it, but I love it. Yeah, <laughs> it's so um, good, man. And then probably, probably try to do something where I test my pace a little bit at the end of the year, maybe a faster half or, or something like that. I think a little bit. Maybe sometimes my ego likes longer, further, bigger, better all the yeah. time. Maybe a little bit more quality is what I'm aiming for at the end of the year. Okay. So, mate, I'm in a great space. I'm just enjoying living life, waking up with a smile on my face. You know, living a line with my purpose, meeting great cats like yourself and Darce and just living, man. No, nah, man, I appreciate it, eh, bro? I think, um, as I said, like I was being sort of down and out this week. Not down and out, but I've been a bit flat just because I've been a bit crook and been busy. But um, I was a bit nervous. I was like, fuck, I really hope that I can perform today. I haven't never needed to do anything. Um, you've absolutely strapped me onto your shoulders and carried it through. So, oh, mate, I don't know about it's, that. Um, it's been incredible to get to know you, man. And I'm, I say this uh, not lightly, but it's not going to be the the last time we see each other, um, I hope anyway. So love to have you a part of the community. Love to get you back in whenever you're around town. And and um, and I'm going to make it a part of my goal to help you succeed as much as possible. Not because I like you, um, but I do. But just because <laughs> no. I actually genuinely feel like people need to hear your messages. Um, I appreciate that. And if you're out there and you've got a business and you're not paying Brad Bolt coin to come out, I'm going to kick your fucking door in. So, um, the enforcer. Yeah, He's here. Yeah. He's um, here. Which is cool. So, you don't want awesome. to answer that, mate. No, you if don't want to answer if that. If you don't have me on the books and you <laughs> yeah, hear that, yeah. don't answer. <laughs> no, do not answer. <laughs> um, so, mate, it's been really cool to get to know you today. I feel like we're, um, we're already here. And big shout out to Das for, for getting it all organized, too. And to Das, before you close the camera off, I want to say to you, mate, Thank you so much for what you do because it's people like you who have paved the way for, you know, the next lot of us coming through. And I've personally derived a heap of inspiration from you in what you do behind the mic in your life journey. You know, I love talking about, you know, fatherhood today. Mm. It's something I look forward to in the next couple of years. And, mate, I truly believe that birds of a feather flock together. And, mate, I'm looking forward to, to flying through the skies oh, and man. continuing to enjoy life um, now with a new connection in yourself. So mate, it's there. I appreciate it, brother. It's there for life now, unfortunately, my friend. <laughs> Thank you, bro. I really Lock appreciate that, man. Cheers. It means a lot. Thank you. Thank you.